downright un-American. No patriot. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It's all about the money. Anti-American. They want the money. It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. Patriotism. Anti-American. They were like death. And un-American. 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 Treasonous. Yeah, just why not? It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. They want the money. I'll tell you something. Anti-American. Un-American. I mean, they certainly didn't seem to love our country very much. Right, un-American. Welcome to another episode of Un-American, the show about traitors, turncoats, and treasonous, where no fraud or grifter is safe. I am Brandon, and I am joined today by Franklin and Jim. How are you doing today, Frank? I'm doing amazing. Uh, Kendrick Lamar released a new verse. And yes. I was going to try to troll you and be like, Donda's out. I'm really happy. Oh, fuck and, off. <laughs> but I know that really. <laughs> Fuck off. That's competing Nobody for like the, the same <laughs> amount of, like the length of that album is the length of our fucking shows. Like, yeah. that's, re- that's too much, Kanye. It's like the, the weirdest saga ever. Yeah. That, I don't get it. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, but Kendrick released a verse finally. His first of uh, 2021. I don't think he's released a verse this year. I don't think so either. So much better than everything that was on the hour and 54 minutes of Donda. Oh, man. Dude, yeah. everything that Kid Cudi's released in the past 20 years has been better than that. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Uh, how are you doing, Jim? I'm good. My uh, household is finally not sick for the first time in nice. like, you know, a month and a half. Now you've just jinxed that, but hey, did you uh, get piss off a witch or something? What the hell? <laughs> I don't know, man. Something. Obviously, you haven't done the voodoo right. Yeah, that's it. Is true. Like you've been, you, like the amount of episodes that you have missed lately, just because of sicknesses yeah, in man. your house. It's just you know, like, it's I, crazy. I get sinus infections like it's cool, but <laughs> my just turned one year old. The poor dude has been not having a great time. Yeah. That is that is uh that is not fun at all, um, but, but we figured it out. Are we? Th- we at least we, we think we figured it out that he w- he's uh, iron deficient. Oh yeah. So we're giving him an uh, iron supplement, and hopefully that'll right the ship. Nice, nice. Well, we will cross our fingers for that. I'm glad that you're that you guys are all in one piece for yeah. for a change. That's nice. Um, Awesome. I am doing well, too, and uh, in part because of a suggestion that I took from Frank. Um, so recently, I have, I've never watched The Sopranos, ever, mm, ever, ever, ever. Kidding. No. Yeah. I, but I'm Italian. Like, I, I should yeah, like, right. that's, that's, how I, that's how I hooked him in. I was like, how do I get him to, ooh, I can play on his, uh, his <laughs> it's about, nationality. It's about your people. <laughs> you know what? It was funny because what really, like, did it, there were a couple of conversations we had about the show, but what really did it was you, you sent a text to... Uh, both of us um, that had said something about like why are Italian stereotypes okay? And I think my response was I just described a Soprano without knowing it at the time. It was like because we're loud, hairy hand talkers. <laughs> like it's fine. It's it's not a stereotype. It's just true. This um, is one of the, like the best theme songs in all of TV. Oh my yeah. god! Oh it my is. god! Yeah. It is so good. And like I just love the show. I dare I say. Uh, might like it more than Game of Thrones, and you're um, not even into the, like the great part. The show gets great in the third and fourth season. Yeah, are spectacular. We should, and it ends on such a great note. Of like of crime TV shows, like your number one and two is Sopranos, and then The Wire. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that Breaking Bad is maybe right below them. Yeah. But Breaking Bad is different. Just though. because. Like, The Wire didn't have a single breakout star in the way that, like, Tony Soprano, watching James Gandolfini take over that role for six years, yeah, or six yeah. seasons, is fucking masterful. You get to see him on every single range of the spectrum yeah, from, you know... it's it's fantastic. I I love that show. I also, love it. I mean, like, I don't know. There's a lot of cursing and uh, nudity, but it's never done... It's it's HBO be, it's, it's HBO it feels, before Game of Thrones came around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It very much feels like the same nudity you would see in like Vice City. Like it's just yeah. like yeah. it's table dancers in the background. You know, the, shit. the wholesome, <laughs> like, the wholesome style of nudity yeah. that we're used to from like Duke Nukem. Although but it was in <laughs> yeah, Sopranos is that first show that took like what if we use cinematic sensibilities movie uh, like storytelling in an episodic weekly format. Yeah. It's, what's surprising to me is I wasn't expecting to laugh as much at the Sopranos. Oh, it is oh, hilarious. Yeah. It is, there's so many good if fucking you, jokes in that show. If you want Secondary, uh, it's a comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. If you go on the subreddit for the Sopranos, one, it's weirdly still active for a show that ended in 2006. <clears throat> almost no other show has that many fans that are still posting. Yeah. But almost every post, if you go and read the comments, it's just people quoting the show. And it's mostly people quoting funny lines, and you realize reading it that there's like that, like every episode has ten or twenty oh, quotable yeah. jokes and put downs there because it's all tough guys who are macho who have to like protect their vanity. They're so oh man, it's so funny. I don't remember the name of it's been so long since I watched it. I don't remember the name of the character whose nickname was Pussy. Oh well, oh, there's two: Big Pussy and Little Pussy. Yeah, the Big Pussy's the one they big they, guy. Yeah, the actor yeah. actually died, right? Uh, I think he's dead now. A lot of them are. Yeah, there, there are a lot of them were overweight guys in their 50s when yeah. the show was on. But he, he's one of my favorite, like, classic big, Italian big pussy gangster actors. Zero. He's yeah. hilarious. He runs the auto body shop, Dude. and, like, Tony sends him around, like... He's, like, my, one, of the, my, one, uh, one of the OG capos for Tony. Tony, Tony's kids, like, my, my teacher's car got stolen. It's like, yeah, yeah what, are you, what are you getting? A D? All right, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very, very awesome show. Um, yeah, it actually inspired my, like, my birthday's coming up, and... Uh, like it's in about a month and a half. My like parents were talking to me. They brought it up the last time that I was talking to them, and I was like, "We should do an Italian dinner, and everybody has to dress so, up as suit, a fucking soprano, suits and slickbacks." <laughs> yeah, right. my dad. My dad was gold like, chains. My dad's a fucking jokester, so he was like, "Can we do like? Are you talking like we all just dress Italian like?" Or can we be famous Italians? And I was like, who do you want to be? It's like Leonardo da Vinci. (laughs) (laughs) Vincent Van Gogh. I'll tell you what, if you can find pants that puppy did. Cut your ear off for this one. No, but you absolutely have to say Gabagool. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm starting to say Bada Bing now. I rewatched it right before I, like, you started watching it. I did, like, my third rewatch. And that, like... Or, like, anytime, uh, like, I'll walk in and be like, what do you know? What do you say? Like, (laughs) (laughs) every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Anyway, so, yeah, hats off to that old old school show, 15-year-old show. Um, What's weird is that show, that show started, like, because they started it in 1999. Once you get past the first season, you're about to enter the territory of this episode. It's all about the post-war on terror. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. So we're going to. Uh, I I told you that we were going to do a future two parter, and I actually believe that I was wrong. Uh, I think this is what this one's going to go three. And psych. 
and it's going to be miserable. Uh, yep. It's going to be miserable for us, especially um, if you're like, if you're a young listener of the show, it might Man, give some insight, but it's mo- going to be. M- millennials are taking this one on the chin. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a miserable series of episodes. And I think even more so for you, Jim, uh, just because it's going to be pretty personal. Um, but we're going to talk about. It's all right, I got to talk through it eventually. With the with the withdraw, uh, with Biden's withdraw from Afghanistan, um, we uh, the, the Afghanistan is is the story now. The, well, like that, but is that the, also put a, that puts a cap on America's longest running war and probably the strangest war in a way that we've ever yeah. fucking been a part of. Yeah. So we're gonna break this apart in in three parts. We will get to Biden later, but I feel like if we're gonna do the thing. Uh, that that is popular now. Uh, trying to decide: Are we going to blame Biden? Are we going to blame Trump? Well, like we should start at the beginning, at least of uh, this chapter. Yeah, there's there's of, four presidents involved. Yeah, um, four. And so, and and what's crazy to me too in in prepping this is that when I got into politics, uh, like when I started to show an interest in politics, I was young. Um, my mom. I I would have been like 13 when my mom campaigned for Al Gore uh, against George Bush. Wait, that's a huge revelation considering where she's at now. <laughs> I I've said that before though <laughs> that that my mom th- that she did she did it's the first time I've heard this. She uh, <laughs> she campaigned for Gore, and so before September 11th, I did not I didn't know shit about politics, but I knew that my parents didn't like George Bush. Um, and then once the wars started, I I started to form my own thoughts about this government. And so it's weird for me because as I've gone back through this over the last few days. Mind you, this is the election that spawned the South Park episode of a giant douche versus a turd sandwich. Because <laughs> right. um, they were that bad. Like you, you got Bush versus Al Gore. You got man bear pig yeah <laughs> versus the guy that from texas that can hardly complete a sentence <laughs> i for me uh it was um it was weird going back through this because uh i realized in prepping this episode especially this first episode the first chapters of this story how much i've suppressed over the last 20 years. Oh, man. Like, just shit that I, Dude, like, like, that I remembered as soon as I saw it, and I could put myself back in the living room or the bedroom that I was watching it in, but holy shit, The I first three it. days, like, after the announcement was made that, like, look, we're finally pulling out of Afghanistan, like, the first three days, I was like, good. Whatever. Yeah. This is awesome. We're finally ending this foreverness. And, like, from day four to now, I've just been, like, slowly realizing that i had so many psychological blocks up and it's not been fun yeah it's been mm-hmm. an awesome ride yeah it to is say the least well we're going to ride for three episodes on it um so buckle up because it's not gonna fucking it's not gonna be fun um at all uh welcome to un-american welcome we promise you not a good time yeah this is not I, I should probably make note now like saying that i had psychological blocks it's not because i'm just some like bleeding heart or whatever like people are gonna try to label me but i actually went to afghanistan twice so like i'm reliving all of this yeah I'm reliving my time in service and like questioning a lot of things and realizing like maybe i do have some ps pdsd when i uh I think maybe we 
not like I'm not trying to uh to to take away. I know you're from, not downplaying. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not one of them people. I I think as a as a generation though, there because yeah. I realized this this is this is our generation, I, man. Yeah, this is these are the, like we we were really good friends in high school. You watched me go off to war. You yeah. watched several other people go off to war. This like, is this the, is us. Well, and this episode specifically, we're gonna uh we can do like a little preamble, but we're gonna mostly focus on. September 11th and where we went from there in, in 2001. Um, when you realize when you, when you re remember the, the timeline, I think that we as a generation probably have a little bit of PTSD. I know that mm. I, I know that I, think, I got really upset while I was prepping this well, just like, because now like the start of the war seems so far away so like, that yeah. it's just like, man, when, it was like, it was when quick. The pla- when the planes hit the towers, you know, I was in seventh grade. You were in eighth grade. I think. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Like how? Do, like how did we even process that? Like my my teacher stopped English class and just wheeled a TV in, and we watched. See, and we right. didn't, we the, didn't we, even get that. We yeah, did the same. We thing. we watched the news and just like couldn't even figure out what was going on. Like yeah. as a as a seventh grader. I'm supposed to understand that. Well, you and know, that's exactly the point because like it's easier for it's going to be better for us to look back at on it now, but it's hard to remember because we were so young when it happened. And also, even being older, because I remember my uncle being camped out on the sofa watching months of war coverage yeah. after 9-11 and just them re- – and then there was the debate, do we replay the plane footage or is right. that like, you know – I think Probably we all – Yeah, but I think it, it, what it did was kind of – um no, no one could really keep up. We were in the we no. were all we all had PTSD as a country from watching fucking three thousand people dying in, in yeah. you know one day. Yeah, yeah. This uh this timeline is not going to help those feelings go away because like it it kind of shocked me to go back through this and just remember, wow, that was the start, and then I remember this moment, but I didn't realize how quickly it came. Um and so yes yeah, so yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't remember the beginning of the snowball yeah we're gonna we'll, Out, it, the it blurs itself. together so much especially now as an adult oh man it's it's rough uh so yeah but we're going to we're gonna start trying to roll this snowball uphill and uh, see see how this goes um before we do that though uh if you like the show and you want to support what we're doing you can head on over to our patreon page at unamerican dot not at unamerican.com that's not a real thing uh <laughs> patreon.com slash i'm sure that's a real thing we do not own that domain we, we do not own that. i'm sure that don't, is run by the there. taliban <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but if you do want to support the show you can do that at patreon.com slash unamerican um there's a bonus feed there and a bunch of cool stuff so go check that out and of course we appreciate your support of the show we do um so we are going to talk. Do you do you want to set up a little bit? Do you want to do a little preamble here and talk about? We were in the United States has had a relationship with Afghanistan and a wartime relationship with Afghanistan and also Iraq. One of the things that's going to be that I felt weird about doing when I initially ta- thought about doing this episode, it was going to be an Afghanistan episode. But Iraq, you cannot, I don't feel like you can tell the story on how we get to August 15th of 2021 without talking about Iraq. Because Iraq was such a quick, like we ended up in Iraq so quickly after we ended up in Afghanistan. Yeah, we we were in Afghanistan for a year and a half. Yeah. And then all of a sudden We we, we were in Iraq. Yeah. And there was a lot of like of talk about 
there being some sort of volcanic connection. Right. Um, so I think that maybe we talk a little bit before I get into the clips um, of what the relationship was um, from the 70s through the 90s with Afghanistan um, and and the United States and Iraq. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on there that I think briefly uh, is important to know this was the recent past before we get to September 11th. Right. Well, you have like stuff during like the, in 1973, there was an Afghan coup d'etat um, where the monarchy was overthrown in a republic and installed or a public installed. And then of course, this is also the time that we were fighting proxy wars against the Soviets, which we did in Korea and yeah, then Vietnam ni- and the ni- Afghanistan ni- was kind of our, our 1978 is whenever we, whenever the CIA drew the Soviets into Afghanistan and it was labeled as this is going to be the Soviets Vietnam. Like, right. So like, and the, the Soviets the world... back the democratic Republic of Afghanistan, which I love that title that you would think that would be, that would be our team. You, know? <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. It's like the reasonableness, very cleverly named. <laughs> um, but then, and then you, you know, that leads you up to, into the eighties of us fighting. And then eventually the Soviets do fall and we kind of, we think we've won Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, the, Taliban taking over right and the, thing, the thing that kills me is like we watched we we watched very closely the Soviets get it handed to him and then eventually we're just like yeah we can do it better yeah right let's forget that stuff yeah. we don't learn from the past the very recent and, past. and and the Soviets actually wanted to go back and they like kind of mm. asked us for somewhat of like a help and we're just like nah yeah, <laughs> and this and the Soviets were just like, okay, we're not going, to, we're not going back there yeah. again. Um, we also should acknowledge the Desert Storm happened in 1991. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, August 1990 to January 91, so a little less than a year. Yeah. Okay, it was very short. And that was ba- and that was Saddam uh, in Iraq versus Daddy Bush, George Bush's father. Uh, like senior. basically, just pushed him out of Kuwait and then a little ways into right. uh, Iraq before they cried uncle. I call him Bush one, the phantom menace. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, kudos. <laughs> so I think it's important. Uh, and we're not going to go into those wars, uh, super in depth. Um, because they're like, not super important. They were kind of justified cause we, we were again playing world police and, but it was like for Kuwait, the little guy, right. But also our oil interest. Yeah, but we, like you're not gonna push Kuwait around. It, but we're that's also our job. Keep, yeah, yeah. I do think it's important though to know ahead of the end of the well in, in the early 2000s um, that there were relationships there. A between America and Afghanistan and the history that we had with them and the Taliban as well. And there were also relationships between uh, the United States and Iraq as far as wartime relationships um, yeah. and those also in, I, I think it's a, it's a fair point to point out that George Bush's dad was the George W. Bush's dad, Bush senior was the one who was involved with that. That's a decent enough like backstory for 
kind of I'm not saying that one necessary like I'm not trying to draw a correlation and say if Desert Storm didn't like that it that where we got in the 2000s was revenge for dad or whatever pointing out the fact that we were fucking around a lot in an area we commonly refer to as the Middle East yeah Mm -hmm. and that had kind of been our bread and butter for the last half or the last part of the 20th century yes in terms of a lot of it was global strategic right military operations a lot of it was both the Cold War and oil interest right so that area of like Asia is the Middle East like near Asia? I mean, like so it's in, like it, it's northeastern Africa, right? And then all of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, Turkey, and Iran. Like Afghanistan is not technically the Middle East. Yeah, okay, it's, yeah, that's right up against Russia, right? It's it's one like where they where geography draws the line for the Middle East is one country away from Afghanistan. So we have like kind of this weird thing in American culture where we just like blanket Afghanistan into that. But it sounded jingoistic even as it came out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, All right. So before we get started with uh, how we got into this mess that we are now pulling out of, uh, let me offer you up a Freudian slip real quick. I think this morning, uh, in the fate that has befallen the Taliban. There's proof positive. If anybody has any questions about whether or not we're determined to carry through on that threat, uh, all they have to do is go visit Afghanistan today and interview uh, members of the Taliban if they can find any. Yeah, you're going to wish that you uh, – t- well, actually – real hard to find members of the Taliban today. post-2001, Cheney. Um, yeah. Well, you dickhead. I'm sure that Dick they've, Ch- they've been there for a while. He was named Dick for a very apt reason. I don't the thing too is that like I wanted to come back in and be like you're going to wish for that statement pack, but you're too much of a piece of shit to wish for that statement pack. Like I don't believe that Dick Cheney believes that they did anything wrong. Um and I think that they did a lot wrong and we're going to go through some of that. Uh so let's start with what really starts us off in Afghanistan. Um, in what the start of how we get to 2021 Afghanistan starts with a terrorist attack that for if you're a super young, not even super young, if you're a 20 year old listener of the show, you don't remember. Um, we remember this a little bit, quite a bit. Good evening. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief, terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. Savor this moment, because this is the only one where the entire country is going to be on the same page. The thing that is sad to me, though, and important to me um, to point out, I think, is the last bit of that sentence. I didn't take a ton from his speech because there's enough. First of all, by the time this episode is out, it's we're in September and you've just spent a week watching this replay over and over again on every news channel. Um, America came together in this moment because we were under attack. One of the things that I think is important about that sentence is that we all, we were all so angry. Everybody was so angry, which you should be if you get attacked. I think that that anger, coupled with the uh, the rate of or, or the quickness of the response, 
helps propel us into where we are today. We were all ready to get even. Nobody, like... You shouldn't make decisions when you're mad, because that's how you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, and that's going to come up, actually, pretty quickly. Um, But, let me... Well, there was a lot of... uh, So, there was a long lead-up into, like, a large ground force being in place in Afghanistan. Right. It took a while to get there. Mm, Not as long as you think, though. Well, large, maybe. Militarily speaking... Like, you can do that in a heartbeat. But the fact of the matter is that for a year plus, we were conducting, like, small special forces-style raids Mm -hmm. into areas of Afghanistan. And then we, relatively speaking for the military, we slowly built up to a large presence. Right. Um, And that's where we failed. It didn't take us any time to start assigning blame and to start planning our reaction to it though. And that's what I mean by quickness of response is that from a, uh, from like a, on an individual person by person basis, like we all wanted revenge for what we watched happen. And that's a human emotion. Like when you watch 3000 people die in front of you on live TV, jumping to their deaths and shit, like you want payback for that. What was interesting to me that I did not remember because I was so because I was so young when this happened was how quickly we assigned blame to bin Laden and the Taliban. Um, for several months after the 9/11 attacks, uh, well, they, they kind of claimed they didn't responsibility. Not yet. Se- on September 12th, we were blaming bin Laden and Al Qaeda, and for two months, bin Laden was not taking responsibility for it. Um, but Shows how much I remember. Yeah. See, I didn't I didn't either. Um, authorities in the or hold on. The investigators were quickly able to link the nineteen men to the terrorist attack. Um also, I said we don't need to explain I feel like a bad podcast host if I don't explain what the September eleventh attack was. I understand that it's been all over the T V at this point. I mean, I don't know about you guys. But, I'm getting old. I meet kids at work every day who are born and like 99 they they don't remember right 19 hijackers uh took three uh commercial airlines um flew two of them into the uh world trade center um four was it four yeah yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, you're right two in the world trade center buildings and then one of the pentagon and one crashed on the way to the sears yeah in a a field in pennsylvania Yeah. yeah um so so um I've got a little bit about I just thought that this was interesting how quickly this came about. For several months after the 9-11 attacks, no one nor any group claimed responsibility for the attacks. So the primary responsibility fell solely upon the hijackers, all of whom were killed and all of whom left no message or any claim of responsibility, explaining why they had carried out the attacks. As as the media covered the 9-11 attacks unfolding, many quickly speculated that bin Laden was behind the attacks. On the day of the attacks, the National Security Agency intercepted communications that pointed to bin Laden, as did German intelligence agencies. This helped rule out other intermediate or immediate suspects, uh, such as Croatian nationalists who had bombed the Grand Central Terminal on September 11, 1976. Authorities in the United States and Britain also obtained electronic intercepts, including telephone conversations and electronic bank transfers. It would have been really weird if Croatian nationalists were behind it. Yeah. Does anybody realize how small of a country Croatia is? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, that would have been well. No. Like what? What? What could they have possibly had against us? True. Uh, it makes sense with Afghanistan, considering how long we've been putting our finger in their eyes. Uh, let's see. The, when hadn't they bombed the World Trade Center in '93? Yes. So like that's it. Probably was a. Uh, wasn't hard to point a finger at them because they'd done it before. Right. Authorities in the United States and Britain also electron also obtained electronic intercepts, including the telephone conversations and electronic bank transfers, which indicate that Mohammed Atef, a bin Laden deputy, was a key figure in planning the 9-11 attacks. Intercepts were also obtained that revealed conversations that took place days before September 11th between bin Laden and an associate in Pakistan. In those conversations, the two referred to an incident that would take place in America on or around September 11th, and they discussed potential repercussions. In another conversation with an associate in Afghanistan, bin Laden discussed the scale and effects of the forthcoming operation. These conversations did not specifically mention the World Trade Center or Pentagon or other specifics. The investigators were quickly able to link the 19 men to the terrorist organization Al-Qaeda, um, also by accessing material in their in, in their intelligence agency's files. The New York Times reported on September 12th that authorities said that they had also identified accomplices in several cities who had helped plan and execute Tuesday's attacks. Officials said they knew the, who these people were and important biographical details about many of them. They prepared biographies of each identified member of the hijacked teams and began tracing recent movements of the men. FBI agents in Florida investigating the, hij- investigating the hijackers quickly descended on a flight of schools, neighborhoods, and restaurants in pursuit of leads. At one flight school, students said investigators were there within hours of Tuesday's attacks. The Washington Post later reported that in the hours after Tuesday's bombings, investigators searched uh, their files on Satam al Just just go for it. Sukami and Ahmed Al-Gamdi. That's wrong. I'm bad at pronouncing Arab names. Uh, Based on the evidence... Authorities in the United States quickly asserted that Osama bin Laden and his al-Qaeda organization were solely responsible for the attacks and others were ruled out. The government of the United Kingdom reached the same conclusion, although denied the, although den- he denied the attacks at first, uh, Osama bin Laden had since claimed responsibility. Intelligence experts speak of a short list of prime suspects, groups that possess both means and motive to carry out the crime. Two of the passengers had been identified as Al-Qaeda members and were on the FBI's terrorist alert list prior to 9-11. Khalid Al-Midar and Nwaf Al-Sami? It appears certain that all hijackers had Arab origins and none were Afghans, moreover. Both in their immense scale... careful planning and refraining from claiming responsibility. The attacks are reminiscent of Al-Qaeda's previous attacks, um, such as the 1998 U.S. Embassy bombings that killed over 200 people. So by September 12th, like the New York Times and Washington Post are already reporting that, and I'm not saying that the intel, here's the thing that, that I think is interesting about the September 12th date. That's really quick. So you either have really good intelligence agencies or you have really shitty intelligence agencies because it almost seems to me, which like I know the answer to because I know that there were briefings given to uh, the administration in August of 2001 um, that claimed that Osama bin Laden was planning to attack the United States by way of hijacking airlines. Um, to me, that says like, 
somebody should have known if they didn't. Somebody yeah. should have been able to see this shit coming. Yep. And and they didn't. So by September 14th, three days after the uh, tax on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, um, Congress was ready to vote uh, on authorizing the pre- authorizing the president to go to war with Afghanistan. Only one member of Congress voted no. And her name uh, is Barbara Lee. Now, as Afghanistan collapses, it seems to have almost become the consensus view across the entire political spectrum that the war was a disaster. But back in 2001, a Gallup poll found that 80% of Americans supported invading and occupying Afghanistan, as did every single member of the House and Senate, except one. However difficult this vote may be, some of us must urge the use of restraint. Our country is in a state of mourning. Some of us must say, let's step back for a moment. Let's just pause just for a minute and think through the implications of our actions today so that this does not spiral out of control. Now, I have agonized over this vote, but I came to grips with it today And I came to grips with opposing this resolution during the very painful, yet very beautiful memorial service. As a member of the clergy so eloquently said, as we act, let us not become the evil that we deplore. I think that, I don't think that she's wrong. I think that I'm not saying that we don't end up in Afghanistan. I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, chase bin Laden or Al-Qaeda or even the Taliban. What I am saying is that you need time to think. And when you don't have time to think, you rush into decisions that may end up not being the best way you could have handled that shit. I'm not saying we don't end up there. I'm saying maybe if we had spent more time, like, any more time to think about well not even thinking about it like gathering intel like talking to other countries about like if we do something is are people behind us like those are important things to know right that i don't think we fully comprehended three days after we were attacked no i i don't think that we did either um she uh so barbara lee was did an interview uh in august of 2021 and i'm gonna just pull an excerpt out of it about the comment that we just heard um she said i never really appreciated until recently that vote on the 2001 authorization to use military force um that came the same week as 9-11 it was right away that was too too that was much too soon my major was in uh, psychology and I got my master's in clinical social work. And what you learn in psychology one-on-one is that you never make decisions when you're grieving, mourning, emotional, and when you're not being as objective as you should be because of external factors. My, uh, my chief of staff, uh, his cousin was a flight attendant. Her name was Wanda Green. She helped take that plane down in Pennsylvania. And I was sitting in the Capitol that day and had to be evacuated. That plane was coming to the Capitol. And so my anger, my anxiety, my fear, my sorrow, all of the emotions, the grieving, I knew that the country was mourning and that it was the wrong and, and that it was wrong to make decisions this grave with the enormous weight of the world in only three days afterward. 
See, I even got that wrong too. I thought that plane that crashed in Pennsylvania was going to the Sears Tower. Nope, it was going to the Capitol building. Yeah, um, and I think that I I I just think that it's important to point out. Can the, you imagine how much more rash the decision would have been if that plane would have hit the Capitol building? Right. We would have been at war by the or, end of or, the day, yeah. or if the Pentagon. Like, I mean, think about it. I mean, two of the four planes hit. I mean, did exactly what they wanted plus more. I mean. It, I don't know if they ex- ex- expected they would topple them, but like that's as good as they could have hoped for. Right. The other two were pretty much failures. Like the Pentagon barely got hurt. And did anybody in the Pentagon die from it getting? I don't know. I don't. I mean, they're I very well. I, I, I'm, sure, a, I'm sure. I believe there's a few. Yeah, I'm sure. Mostly that, just injuries. And um, then obviously, Flight 93 was. Um, they they failed completely. I mean, well, I mean, they didn't fail, and so much as they killed Americans, innocent fucking Americans. But. Right. So, it could have been a lot worse, and we I, I yeah, can't imagine hitting, us rushing the to judgment. Hitting the Capitol and killing our lawmakers. Yeah, right. and I can't imagine us rushing to judgment any more than we already did, though. Right. Because, I mean, and if you were alive and you remember that day watching live as people fucking jumped out of yeah. buildings, mm-hmm. like... So, uh, so the so for the the next couple of days, and for the we're learning as a country together what what and who Al Qaeda is, um, terrorist organization, run of the mill ter- terrorist organization, kind of like it, it fits the same description as every other terrorist, not not point by point, but. You can lump Al Qaeda in with ISIS, in with Hezbollah, in with like they're terrorist organizations. That's what they're there for. Like they're there to to make an impact in in uh, psychological, political, and economic ways on their enemies, perceived enemies. Um, Every terrorist is somebody else's freedom fighter, right? Um, George Bush is going to explain to us on uh, the sixteenth of September. Um, who our enemy is. One thing I will point out at I think that he misspeaks at the beginning of this clip. Um, because I have looked it up and uh, I've looked this clip up from multiple sources, and it is uh, it is September sixteenth. But he says that we got attacked this morning, which to me oh, he it, definitely misspeaks. Yeah, it kept, that's not uncommon for Bush. But it sent me down this path of trying to figure out if this. Stupid. This is not uncommon for Bush. Yeah, I think he meant that morning. I think he meant that morning too. Um, but like, man, I spent like way too long trying to he, be like, was this on September 11th that he, he said he this? said the wrong th word? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, just know that for context, this is not September 11th. This is five days later. Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward, Earth. and freedom will be defended. Earth. I want to reassure the American people that the full resources of the federal government are working to assist local authorities to save lives and to help the victims of these attacks. Make no mistake, the United States will hunt down and punish those responsible for these cowardly acts. What he didn't tell you there is that we were then going to stay for another 20 years and just hang out. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the following day, uh, he gives another speech, and he is going to talk to us about the... I believe this is still about Al-Qaeda. 
at some point soon he's going to start mixing the Taliban in and I feel like it just becomes one and the same at least the way that we are that we are accepting it as a country it just becomes one enemy they did work together they did work together but I would say that they're not I would say that there is that you can lump Al-Qaeda in with Hezbollah or ISIS I don't think that you can lump the Taliban in with no yeah they have very different roots yeah the the Taliban was sympathetic. They're also the Taliban is interested in, in governing to whatever extent that they are interested in governing. Whereas like the Al Qaeda and ISIS and Hezbollah, like they are not there so that they can take over like, a for, country. For whatever reason, Afghanistan became the hiding spot for many Al Qaeda operatives and the Taliban just kind of like, Aided and abetted. Yeah, it was so, just kind of for, for whatever way. reason, right? Not to but, say that they were the only ones to do that. Yeah, and this but, isn't this isn't like sympathizing. This is just fact. Yeah, Pakistan, who we we won't touch on as much on this episode because they because I, it, Pakistan we'll get there. Pakistan <laughs> plays a big part in that. Yeah, we'll as get well. there. Um, so on September seventeenth. Uh, George Bush is going to do some more explaining. He's going to explain uh, who the enemy is and kind of in Bush terms, he's going to tell us what our mission is without, I don't think, having really formulated the plot yet. Of uh, reserve and guard troops. This is a different type of enemy than we're used to. It's an enemy that um, uh, is uh, uh, likes to hide and burrow in. And they, their, 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 network is extensive. They have no, there's no rules. Uh, it's uh, barbaric behavior. They slit throats of women on airplanes in order to achieve an objective that uh, is beyond comprehension. And they, uh, they like to hit, and then they like to hide out. But we're going to smoke them out. There's a um I forgot how bad he was at speaking. He was really bad at speaking and I think that they all had this level of like uh, arrogance like that America's number one foam finger fan yeah. kind we're, of thing. We're going to go smoke him out in the country with the worst terrain you can possibly think of. Yeah. I think there is no spot on this planet that has worse terrain than Afghanistan. I think that they that they really. It doesn't matter what kind of firepower you got. Good but, luck. But I think from George Bush's perspective, uh, and like now I'm just speculating, but I'm also like I'm looking at the pattern of uh, like in 2021, I can look at the pattern of how he acted for eight years, um, and say that like there is this like. There's something that's ultra Americanistic. <laughs> that's not a word, but about George Bush. Yeah, um, it's like we're, we're gonna go and get the bad guy because we can. Because we can. Because we're we America. Got, we got the bigger stick. Yeah, my daddy was president. Now I'm president, and it's just gonna work out because that's how it works out. Like, like yeah, if if the country that we're going after is shaped just like America, the bigger stick is gonna smash the fuck out of them. Yeah, um, but when when we're talking about endless mountain ridges and caves like no not gonna do it yeah good luck you're gonna have to level the whole country especially not when your goal defeats itself in fighting terrorism we just create more terrorists exactly there's gonna be collateral damage and then it's just never fucking ending yeah Let, let me let me put this in your average country boys terms because i get this 
on a soul level because I too hunt coyotes. If you kill one of the coyote females, there will immediately be another one that steps up and makes five more coyotes. You're not going to kill them all off your property. Yeah. I don't care how much you want to save your deer population. You're not going to kill them all. You, it's the same thing. The, the idea of fighting terrorism is so nebulous because what you're fighting is anti-American sentiment. It's an idea. Yeah. But by fighting yeah. that with violence, you're just creating more anti-American sentiment. Yeah. We're also you, talking about a country that has had anti-American sentiment yeah, for yeah. a long so time. So we're yeah. already <laughs> raging fires and we're giving them legitimate reasons to hate us and then to foster that, that hate in their children – you know, because yeah. they're going to witness it, or they're going to have parents that die or older siblings. Well, and as again, we're going to do a lot of this like well hindsight, but like, I mean, man, where we're but, at but now you know in twenty twenty one, like you can look at it and be like, these kids that are experiencing it will experience it for twenty years, and that doesn't mean that it's always bad, but it does mean that that force is always present. Well, and that's not even something that's something we really should have known as a military. A huge military in the world because, like, we should have learned that lesson in Vietnam that you can't kill out anti-American sentiment with violence. That it's right. just, it's it's a snake eating its own tail. And yeah, you, will you never expected end. us to learn. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's that's not a new concept. No, it's certainly not even new to America. That's been happening as long as war's been happening. Yeah, yeah. It Unless you're be. willing to completely subjugate a people, you're just gonna keep fostering anti-colonialism. Uh, look, look at how far we had to go with Japan. But I will make. Yeah, right. I will how make. far we had to go with Germany? Like the, the Russians beat us to Berlin, but we were willing to just destroy everything. I think too that uh, a good thing to remember is that George Bush uh, seems about as intelligent as his speech pattern does. Um, he's. I don't think that George Bush is a smart guy. That doesn't mean that I don't believe that. I don't believe he's inherently evil. Like I don't think that he knew how bad all of his decisions were, but I think he had well, a lot I of also, people around think, him who stood yeah. to benefit. I think the roles were vastly reversed in the Bush years. So like Dick Cheney was actually president. Bush was just right. kind of there. Yeah. He was there by namesake. And Bush always seemed like a guy who like if it wasn't for the wealth, he never belonged in that sphere. Not at He's all. He's very much more of a cowboy no. and ribs kind of guy. Interesting note, like, Dick it, Cheney was I, our president. I have for uh, like an hour and thirty minutes. In uh, yeah, so did uh, we lose Bush? Did the Secret Service lose him? We did. Uh, Wait, did, is that when someone threw a shoe at him, or was nah, he lost I, on the Segway? No, nah, he had a colonoscopy, and, oh. <laughs> and well, Dick he, Cheney was. Did uh, he have complications coming out of surgery? No, or? June 29th, two thousand two. Uh, Cheney served as acting president from seven o nine a.m. to nine twenty four a.m. So he was our president. Holy technically. shit! Technically, for I a bet, colonoscopy. Yeah, I bet if you look at he the timeline, he wasn't even put under. You don't get put under for a colonoscopy. Well, According to the Twenty Fifth Amendment, hey, you fucking hey, do. <laughs> maybe they don't want you making decisions with a finger up your ass. <laughs> I can see why that's uh fair enough. Fair enough. But that was in <laughs> okay. that was in two thousand. We I, moved past that. So <laughs> fine. Now. I, I kind of want to see like if they keep track of uh, when they move the hand closer to midnight. If you can look at it, like the moment like Cheney officially took over, it went real fucking close to midnight. <laughs> yeah. And then an hour later, like whoop, dropped a little back down. This is where the fingers were in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So September seventeenth, uh, George Bush is asked in a press conference, um, about. Osama bin Laden, uh, specifically by name, and he gives kind of a dumb answer because he's George Bush. Um, but the, I think the point is still important as far as the attitude of the country is concerned. 
I want him help. I want I want justice. And uh, uh, there's an old poster out west, as I recall, that said "Wanted, dead or alive." Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, they want to get him out. I thought there was more to that. Don't let him talk again. I think I Damn think it. there's a. I Damn think it, that uh, uh, this is a long-term battle, war. There'll be battles, but this is long-term. We're, we're after all our mission. It's not just Osama bin Laden, the Al-Qaeda organization. You said there was a U. Our mission is to battle terrorism huh. and to join Good with freedom-loving people. So here's what's important. <laughs> you know who loves freedom? The people in Afghanistan you're fighting against. Everyone loves freedom. It's yeah. just how you define it. That is, a, I hate that sentiment. Like One of the things that I think is very important about that is, though, uh, we're talking about six days after the fact. I believe, like September 11th happened on a Tuesday, so this is the following Monday. He has already said to the press, to the American people, that Osama bin Laden isn't our only goal here. We are expanding this idea to the idea of terrorism. And that's well, an important he, distinction to he make. because should have, there, it, during this speech, if you can even call it that, he should have highlighted all of the terrorist leaders that he wanted to get. Right. Which, you know, anybody that's been alive for all this, you know that there was a deck of cards, there's 52 yeah. names. Um, I, I may have just purchased a deck of those off eBay because, right. like, we were prepping this episode, and I, I remembered that, and I was like, fuck, I wonder if there's – yep, four bucks. Yeah. Um, if you get them before the series is over, we should read them for sure. <laughs> One thing that uh, – But he should have explained all that. He should have explained that, but I Like, don't, these are all of the people that we need. But I think that would have been against his point because his point was in Brandon's favor. He's expanding. Like, this isn't just about Bin Laden and the people who attacked us. I think that whoever told him – to like my but, fragile mind wants to believe that he was just a puppet because I actually kind of like George Bush. <laughs> if he was, even if he was just a puppet, like let's take, let's say like Dick Cheney's pulling the strings because Dick Cheney's the evil guy for that. And George just is the, the likable idiot if, that I would like to smoke pot with. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the I thing. would I would watch that sitcom. <laughs> even even if that's true though, then the. Then by by um, designate designating the enemy as terrorism serves more into the puppet master's hand because the puppet master is going to go on and make a shit ton of money off of these conflicts. Um, so even if you want to take that belief, which like I'm not, I don't think we need. To, I don't think we'll be I, able my, my to heart's figure not, that. My out. heart is not fully in that narrative. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know that you can most fully of that was believe. Jokes. Like, well, I mean, I don't know if you've watched that movie Vice um, with a. Uh, Christian Bale playing playing Dick Cheney, um, they that's yeah. how they portray it. That essentially Bushes came to him like, "Hey, you can essentially do it. I just have to kind of do this to please my dad, but you, Dick, can be in charge." And that's how he kind of sold it to him. I don't know that we can necessarily prove that, but and that is how like, most he people was just view. Like, he had a Mr. Burns moment. Like, the mm, yeah. yeah, excellent. Um, hey, Cheney was notorious for being much more hands on than almost any other vice president. Well, and Cheney history. Cheney wasn't even the. Um, the person who was originally wanted for the vice presidency. Uh, the, the, George Bush had a friend who was um, the CEO of some company. Uh, I can't remember which company. Bubba. I, I have his name. I have it written down somewhere. Um, but he, but that guy was not available. Uh, so at, I believe, George Bush Sr.'s suggestion, Dick Cheney 
was what was it? put in there and then are we gonna get all are we gonna get to what Halliburton did before we're gonna get it that's what we're gonna finish all with right. we're like we're gonna have a long conversation after all of the clips about because I've got an article that not just about what Halliburton did but what happened like really I think what we will uh I think we can make an argument for it's why we went to war instead of uh, Osama bin Laden. Like I'm not saying again, not saying that we wouldn't have chased Osama bin Laden, not saying that we wouldn't have chased out Al Qaeda, but I think that there is whether intentional or not, there's a vagueness to our mission from the early days that allows it to be, um, it allows it to be indefinite and they will go on in a few minutes which is in a few months um, and tell us that it's going to be indefinite we'll get there in a few minutes um, can you read the Osama did it um, so I've got uh, so I've got an article uh, I'm going to actually pass it off to you Frank um, it's from CNN on September 17th same day as this press conference Um but I do want to point out that, you know, I told you guys a few minutes ago that Osama, like, while we're in press conferences talking about Osama bin Laden and terrorism and all of this, um, Osama bin Laden has not claimed a responsibility for it yet. Um, and so I think that that's important to have in the timeline of because, like, we're, there's a lot of bad intelligence in the early 2000s that's going on surrounding this. So in 2021, it's easy to be like Osama bin Laden did it. Like, we know that. In, on September 17th, while they're making a case and have already voted to authorize war, we don't know that for sure. Yet. They authorized the day before this article came out, right? Uh, they authorized the 16th? three days before. Okay, they they okay, authorized yeah. on the 14th. Um, so go ahead and read that little excerpt from that article. In a statement issued by the Arabic satellite channel Al Jazeera, bin Laden said... The U.S. government has consistently blamed me for being behind every occasion its enemies attack it. I would like to assure the world that I did not plan the recent attacks, which seems to have been planned by people for personal reasons, Bin Laden's statement said. Uh, I've been living in the Islamic uh, Emirate of Afghanistan and following its leader's rules. The current leader does not allow me to exercise much or such operations, Bin Laden said. Asked Sunday if he believed Bin Laden's denial, President Bush said, quote, No question he is the prime suspect. No question about that. Since Tuesday's terrorist attack against the United States, Bush has repeatedly threatened to strike out against terrorism in any nation that supports or harbors its uh, disciples. Bin Laden, a wealthy uh, Saudi-born exile, has lived in Afghanistan for several years. U.S. officials blame him for earlier strikes on U.S. targets, including last year's attack on the USS Cole in Yemen and the bombing of the USS embassies in Tanzania and Kenya in 1998. Bin Laden's campaign stems from the 1990 decision by Saudi Arabia to allow the U.S. troops into the kingdom after the Iraq invasion of Kuwait, which we were talking about earlier, a military presence that has become permanent. Uh, in a 1997 CNN interview, bin Laden called the U.S. military presence a, quote, occupation of the land of the holy places. Immediately after the attacks that demolished the World Trade Center's landmarks, landmark twin towers and seriously damaged the Pentagon, officials of Afghanistan's ruling Taliban said they doubted bin Laden could have been involved in carrying out the actions. So that... Not true, but it's we not did true, not know. But that is where we stand as we are being prepped for war. Um, so I just think that that's important to put in the timeline that because I I didn't remember that. Like I mean, I was we were young, so like we were told Bin Laden within twenty four hours, and we were just How like old were Bin we, Laden. 13? 
yeah, th- Thir- yeah. Thirteen, eighth grade, seventh grade. Seven, it would have been seventh because that was in middle school. Yeah, unless think, unless I get held back a year, maybe. Yeah, I think I was twelve. Don't remember? Um, might have been eleven. Yeah, I think you were. I think I was in seventh grade, and you were in sixth grade. Um, I was in seventh. I was on the younger end of my you? grade. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, is eighth the last of middle school? Yeah. The, okay. The, would, the only reason eighth, then, that yeah. I know for a fact that I was in seventh is because, like, I remember the classroom that I was in was on the southern side of Debray Middle School. I gotcha. And the only hallway on the northern side of Debray Middle School was sixth. Gotcha. And seventh and eighth were on the southern end. Um I will say that we're we're gonna move quickly into this war. September eleventh is the attack. September fourteenth is the authorization uh, of the, pres- the 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 war authorization act. Um, on December sixth, two thousand one, we're still we're still not it. We're not at war yet. We haven't we haven't. Put- we absolutely have operators in the area though. Oh yeah, because the next day we would be at war. Um, but. Before we get into war, we're going to expand again on the idea of what we are go- what our mission is. The Taliban has been given the opportunity to surrender all the terrorists in Afghanistan and to close down their camps and operations. Full warning has been given, and time is running out. The United States is presenting a clear choice to every nation. Stand with the civilized world or stand with the terrorists. And for those nations that stand with the terrorists, there will be a heavy price. America is determined to oppose the state sponsors of terror, yet we are equally determined to respect and help the men and women those regimes oppress. Our enemy is not the Arab world. Many friendly Arab governments are themselves the targets of extremist terror. Our enemy is not Islam, a good and peace-loving faith that brings direction and comfort to over one billion people, including millions of Americans. Uh, two things to say about that, one positive and one negative. One positive thing that I can find about George Bush uh, through the last week of pulling clips and deciding what I was going to use and just like revisiting the early days of the war, and maybe this only feels like a positive thing. It should feel like a normal thing, but I think in the post-Trump era, um, a positive that I take away from what we just heard is the distinction that we are not at war with Islam, that Islam is not the enemy, um, that bad guys are the enemy. Um, I don't feel like in the post-Trump era that that distinction would be as important or made, and I like I just feel like there's a lot more xenophobia. I think it happened happened way earlier than that. Do you think that the reason they made that distinction— I think you're right. Do you think the reason Bush said that is to try to tamp down expectations? Because he knew people were—they were going to the other— you know, it's easy to look at someone who is a oh, different there, religion there was, and say was, that that's the reason. There was already political cartoons being made. One thing I don't think that George W. Bush is or ever was is racist. I don't think that he is. Well, uh, I, I yeah, I, I don't. He had a, like his immigration policy was was pretty liberal for a conservative president. Um, he made the distinction that we are not fighting Islam, that Islam is not our enemy, that terrorism is our enemy. And like and so in those ways, like 
I don't think that he was racist. Now, like, he's an old, he's a fucking he's an old, old guy from Texas. from Texas. That's why I, I'm hesitant to yeah. say he's not racist. Although he's not really from Texas. He's from freaking Connecticut. No. He was born in Texas, and he's the only one in his family with an accent. He was, like, born on vacation. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, he's from Texas. Kind of just stuck. Yeah, like, they lived in Connecticut. <laughs> so uh, He was the one that romanticized wearing a cowboy hat right, as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hunting for armadillos. You imagine the, <laughs> the first week he started doing that, like Herbert Walker Bush walking around being like, "I'm gonna strangle that fucking kid. <laughs> if he don't become the president, and, and, I'm gonna and kill then him." It just went forever. <laughs> I, I just remember the SNL clip of George Bush Senior and like Dana Carvey and uh, Will Ferrell doing George, and they were like on a hunting trip or whatever, and he was like. And and Dana Carvey, George Bush Sr., is talking about George Bush. He's just like, man, back in our day, I don't know what's wrong with George, but back in our day, me and Babs called it retardation. This <laughs> is like pointing the gun at the back of his head and shit. It's like, yeah, I, I could see, I could oh, see George Sr. Uh, getting upset with him a few times. Um, I'll say as someone who lived through that, that like being the first political movement I really saw satirized, I, I came in like, the, I remember Clinton and Lewinsky a little bit, but yeah. I was kind of young. The humor and like that came from mocking Bush. Oh man, it was great. Was fucking Will yeah. Ferrell was like spot on. Uh, Even Robin Williams got in on that. Yeah. Um. So I said there was a positive and a negative. I've told you the positive now. I think that the negative part of that last clip is they're setting up. In hindsight, I think you can see that they're setting up to what would become the global war on terror. They they're yeah. not gonna stay. Like he's already telling us. Like terrorism expands beyond these borders. Like yeah, they're setting the, us up the, to go into other countries. The, the global war on terror. If if that sounds a lot like the war on drugs, then you know you, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> don't start a war on an idea. You it's can, a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't do it. I do like that is something though that like I couldn't believe while I was listening back and like going through all the, all of these tapes and shit that like. It was so soon. It wasn't even a month. It Like, we were not even in Afghanistan yet. And they were like, it's going to be bigger than Afghanistan. Like, they were telling us. They weren't telling us with, with, with using those that phrasing, but they were telling us, like, it's, it's going to be bigger. Expect it to be long. There's going to be battles. Like, they were they were setting us up. Like, they told us without telling us. We're, and nobody we're, calling it a war. Not that we're hunting the people that yeah. attacked us, but that we're at war, which is like, that's, my, that's different than, like, someone attacking you and you and going arresting them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the following day, the war in Afghanistan begins. Good afternoon. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against al-Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. More than two weeks ago, I gave Taliban leaders a series of clear and specific demands. Close terrorist training camps hand over leaders of the Al-Qaeda network, and return all foreign nationals, including American citizens, unjustly detained in your country. None of these demands were met. And now, the Taliban will pay a price. I keep, uh, I keep harping on this, like, expansion or whatever. But if Osama bin Laden attacked us a month ago, and... Al-Qaeda is the group that he is 
overseeing or part of or running or like that higher up in then once you have gotten to the day of the war in Afghanistan you are saying that I have given the Taliban the, the leadership of Afghanistan an ultimatum two weeks ago to hand over all of these people that are involved with Al-Qaeda now we're going to war with Af- with the Taliban like you you have switched your you, I'm not even saying you've switched your enemy but you have you have way broadened the terms of who you're after and what you're after right. I'm not even saying that, that the Taliban yeah. isn't bad like the Taliban is bad and they do similar shit. So, like, because but the Taliban they, didn't, they weren't actually our enemy at the time. They didn't that's attack the, us. That's the problem because, like, we couldn't get the nineteen guys who attacked us because they were all dead. Everyone, they, they were. So they, we were going to go after the people who funded and planned it. But then, like, we realized they're being kind of shielded and and funded by another group, so we had to include them. But then, like, the, yeah, the web the whole of aiding and abetting the thing. fucking yeah. seven degrees of Kevin Bacon doesn't end. It's going to keep going, and we're going to suck yeah. up more and more groups that are going to be now become our enemy and part of the, like, we have to defeat them yeah. in order to win. And I'm not even saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying that, that America taking out the Taliban is wrong versus Al-Qaeda or whatever. I'm just trying to paint the picture that, let me, like, let me this just, is quickly let me developing. Let just go out and make a statement right here. The Taliban has never been a good guy. No, Ever. no, never. Um, and, and They've always been terrible to the people that they had power. Over. And I am not defending the Taliban in any way, shape, or form. All I'm saying is that, like, we're not a month after the attacks, and we have already expanded from Osama yeah. bin Laden to Al Qaeda. Yeah, you're to, just explaining how quickly the right. this is getting bigger. Yeah, significantly, it's getting it's getting really big, and it hasn't even been 30 days. Um, Jim, I'm going to have you read an article. Uh, it's on that paper there. Um, Bush's demands get an answer. This is a Guardian article from October 14th, 2001. Um, and it kind of just discusses uh, the that, kind, that relationship a little bit. Yeah, okay. So the Taliban would be ready to discuss handing over Osama bin Laden to a neutral country if the U.S. halted the bombing of Afghanistan, a senior Taliban official said today. Afghanistan's Deputy Prime Minister Haji Abdul Kabir told reporters that the Taliban would require evidence that bin Laden was behind September 11th terrorist attacks in the U.S. If the Taliban is given evidence that Osama bin Laden is involved and the bombing campaign stopped, we would be ready to hand him over to a third country, Mr. Kabir added. But it would have to be a, a state that would never come under pressure from the United States. President George Bush reject, rejected as non-negotiable the offer by the Taliban to discuss turning over Osama bin Laden if the United States ended bombing in Afghanistan. Returning to the White House after a week at, weekend at Camp David, the president said that bombing would not stop unless the ruling Taliban turn bin Laden over, turn his cohorts over, turn any hostages they hold over. He added, there is no need to discuss innocence or guilt. We know he's guilty. In Jalalabad, Deputy Prime Minister Haji Abdul Kabir, the third most powerful figure in the ruling Taliban regime, told reporters that the Taliban would require evidence that bin Laden was behind the September 11th terrorist attacks in the U.S., but added we would be ready to hand him over to a third country. So from the minute that he got authorization from Congress, there 
with special forces and like moving, they were being mobilized to go to Afghanistan. Right. This had already been happening. Bombing had already been happening. So we, we weren't just idle up until this point. Right. We, we weren't idle until December, like when there was like full on war declared. We, we were absolutely operating in the area. What do you uh, personally, what are your personal beliefs on that uh, idea that um, from the Taliban's perspective, you offer us proof that bin Laden did this and then we will hand him over? What do you think about that? Is that a fair thing to do? Well, well, it, we will it, hand him over to a third party that you will not be able to extradite. Yeah, so they're, they're talking yeah. about like they're going to hand him to like somebody like Germany at this point. You got to understand where Afghanistan is as a country. Like, so in 2001 in the United States, we we were barely just out of dial-up internet. Afghanistan right. didn't have shit. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to like paint this as a picture of uh, like countries that had active communications, like nonstop. Versus a country that barely had telephones. Right. So a lot of this is like news to a lot of these people. And the, the, the Taliban at this current second is almost like a sovereign country. And we're like, like it's, it's almost like our established communications with them were a phone call. And then a day later, they got a bomb dropped on them. So there, there's going to be a lot of confusion here. Yeah. God, this is so hard to word without sounding empathetic to this like which there is but i'm not trying to say that it's okay to be reasonable yeah that's what you're being i'm trying you're, to you're like being reasonable i'm trying to set it in like a reasonable term for well, the for I, the time in which this was happening i also yeah but you're also like at the tr- current at the current second we're like no taliban are not sovereign they are terrorists they are dirt but like back then they they were just handling their own business right and it just so happened to cross paths with ours so like if this narrative holds true that the Taliban had no idea what Osama bin Laden was planning and that they even said that he shouldn't do it and that he couldn't do it and still remain like in their country, then they kind of have like every right to be like, what the hell just happened? Like you, you need to tell us that this guy actually did it. And then yes, do we'll you, hand him to do you. Do we, we all, we all in this room and uh, anybody that's listening to this recognizes the Taliban as a bad guy. Um, but I feel like with Bush saying that the, like these terms are non-negotiable or whatever, it kind of falls into that line that we would hear over and over again that we do not negotiate with terrorists. I was about to say, is this the first time that line got applied to post 9-11 when it came back into... But is, even if it is, is that being... fair? Is the Taliban at this point terrorists or are they a fucking brutal ruling class? Of people at are this they, point, they were just a regime over. Well, the in the same people. way that, like, you know, who is a? Uh, because again, has the how have have the, the Taliban ever attacked anybody outside of Afghanistan, or do they like? And I understand that there are connections there. That's a good between, question. Like, I honestly don't know if they ever even have because not to, not like directly under their own people. To me, it just feels like the like the Bush, like if they had a, a finger in what the, what Al Qaeda was doing, and that they had something to do with what Osama did. Then, yeah. Yeah. But, like, the Taliban themselves have not claimed an attack that was not it just seems within like, Afghanistan or the surrounding countries. It seems like the Bush administration was really good at painting with a broad brush. That well, they're, they're definitely, in American terms, they're, they're aiding and abetting. Right. Like, regardless of what they know at this point. But this is, this is simple diplomacy that they're trying to figure out what they actually need to do to like appease foreign relations here because let's be honest afghanistan hasn't really had to deal 
with foreign relations outside of Russia and the other two countries that had invaded them, invaded them at this point. I don't even really know if the U.S. was on their radar. Yeah. Outside of us giving them, you know, weapons against the, <laughs> the Soviets. <laughs> right. <laughs> they will 10 years later be used against us. Yeah. That's, always, that's the American way. That, I, see, it, there's a... <laughs> There is a pattern. I like, wonder how many like American soldiers have been shot by weapons that were given by Americans. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. They, they obviously knew who we were, but they didn't think that we were going to be an enemy. Yeah. I mean, we, we were fresh off of giving them weapons, like, not even eight right. years prior. And, to and to say that, like, they are, like, a terrorist group that are, like, in charge of a brutal dictatorship in a country, like, yeah, but... So are a lot of countries, and the United States does business with them every single day. Right. So I, I understand why the Taliban would be like, hey, this is no different. We are not your enemy. We're just the country he's in, and we don't like him anyway, and we'll give him up. But yeah. you have to work with us here. We can't, like, bow down to you. Yeah. I don't. I understand both sides not wanting to capitulate because they don't. neither side sees themselves as wrong. Right. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It, it's definitely... That's why you don't make decisions when you're emotional. Yeah. No, you, yeah. More than three Before days. diplomacy has even started, yeah. they're ultimatum this. Yeah. Yeah. We needed... The whole country needed to take that approach of writing a letter when you're angry and then putting it in a drawer and waiting <laughs> to send it. Yeah. I can't we tell you... We should have, like, taken a practice vote. Can't tell you how many times I deleted a post before it happened. <laughs> I am not the I've, same. I usually post that shit and then I, um, delete it later yeah, after yeah. I'm embarrassed about it. That's how I do it. There'd be like a three minute window and it'll be gone. Yeah. Um. So Frank, you sent me this clip while I, uh, early on in my prepping stages, and I hate you for it because it's the second time that my birthday has come into play on the show. Um. Fucking Tucker Carlson started his career, Fox career solo career on my birthday and uh, you just like you're just you're a dick more you, so you know what's weird because our birthdays are a day of heart you know what happened on my birthday the xbox was released <laughs> 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 fuck you you're almost as big a dick as this guy <laughs> day too early <laughs> the al-qaeda network is a, a global network uh, they've got cells all over the world and uh, there's no reason for us to to uh, believe at this stage that um uh, this operation is about to end. A uh, far more appropriate way to look at it is this is a very good beginning to what's likely to be a long struggle. We will hold those who harbor terrorists, those who provide sanctuary to terrorists, responsible for their acts. If you're going to provide sanctuary to the likes of Osama bin Laden, you are then going to accept the responsibility in our eyes for any acts he commits against the people of the United States of America, and you will face the full wrath of the people of the United States of America. And I think... Uh, By that same logic, though, then America has to accept any time we partner up with someone and have a strange bedfellow situation and they do something negative in the world that affects other countries, we have to accept that's our problem, too. We cre- If that is the way we view other countries... We have to take the same approach to our fuckery with international relations. Nope. <laughs> we don't. That's, that's, I just wish someone would ask him that. Yeah. Like, are you prepared for the United States to be held accountable for the same thing? No. That we try, we would go on. Anything, it's not, it's not anything, unreasonable. I don't any, necessarily disagree with him, but anything, I hate the hypocrisy. Anything that the CIA does doesn't count. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they don't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Dick Cheney. I think the importance of that clip for me, again, is the snowball is rolling. 
You can feel the snowball rolling. We are expanding this way too fast. That was on November 14th uh, of this, of 2001. Um, we're not, we're only a month into the official war in Afghanistan. And we are now talking about, we're going to go anywhere. We're going to, we're going to stamp out this idea of terrorism and it doesn't matter how far we go. We're going I'm, to go there and we're going to, pretty sure that chase them out. That particular speech inspired Team America World Police. I guarantee it, there's there's a there's a, lot of, a yeah. few in here. Um, it wasn't until a month after that speech um, that we finally got a tape that proved what. That, and I'm not. I don't want it to seem like by me. I'm trying to put myself back in the timeline when we're going through September and we're going through October and November and whatever. You know, when I said that we don't know if bin Laden is responsible for it, we do now. Like, we had, we do in 2021, we do in December of 2001. So, I just want to make that clear that, like, I wasn't making an excuse for Osama bin Laden or say, give anybody the benefit of the doubt. But it is important to note that it wasn't until December 13th, 2001, that this leaked footage came out. And uh, this is a translated version of Osama bin Laden. We calculated that the advance, the number of casualties from the enemy who would be killed based on the position of the tower. We calculated that the floors that would be hit would be three or four floors. I was the most optimistic of them all. Due to my experience in this field, I was thinking that the fire from the gas in the plane would melt the iron structure of the building and collapse the area where the plane hit and all the floors above it only. This is all that we had hoped for. Okay, so uh, first of all, now we have confirmation. We have a leaked videotape of Osama bin Laden. It just tells me how much they didn't have knowledge of engineering. So, like, if if you collapse the however many floors above where the planes collided on top of the floor where it, like, like below where it collided they're just like ah that weight doesn't matter the the steel will hold up from there no like you're bringing all that weight down onto that one floor and it's just gonna buckle from there it also to me seems uh at least through that translation like he's struck in his own dick a little bit like he's like to me it seems like he is like he's trying to even say more like, oh, yeah, I was the most optimistic. Like, I, I kind of had this whole thing figured out. Like, it was going to go exactly this way. And it was like, to me, part of it, just as a human being who has embellished some shit in my own life probably at some point, it just, like, it, or, it has, you know, is familiar with what embellishing is, it seems to me uh, like there's the possibility. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. But it seems like there's the possibility of him just, like, knowing what has happened in the two months since and what happened two months ago and just being like, that's exactly how I planned it. And I totally like when oh, I, yeah. you know, yeah. when somebody falls down is like, I meant to do that. Like that's it's 100% of Michael Scott's. Speech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but now we do have uh, d- definitive proof. We do have this leaked videotape. Um, and I remember when I do, I, I don't know if you guys remember when that tape came out, but I, man, I remember that so vividly because there's the first, uh, I remember uh, the family guy reiteration of it. I remember <laughs> the, the, if you remember like right in September when we kept seeing images of Osama bin Laden, we kept seeing him in a cave sitting in the, like legs crossed, 
um, crisscross applesauce. Crisscross <laughs> applesauce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with like two or three other guys. Um, and like that was Eminem did a video where he was Osama bin Laden and sitting in that. Of course. Um, yeah. So did Matt Damon and Will Hunting. Yeah. Really apparently. Um, That's a callback or something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but, uh, so, but I remember this tape. I, just, I like, I just re- so vividly, like him standing there with like the blue, uh, like, I don't know, robe or like whatever he was wearing on. And just like, I just, I remember this video so vividly and it brought back so many memories of just like, you, yeah, I remember when that hit the remember, news and we um, knew like, okay, at least like we have some justification for why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, did, go ahead. Do you remember, did the, did he release that video? Uh, the Al Qaeda, or the or did, did the the United States released it right? I, like they had gotten it serendipitously. I I believe, and don't I'm not a hundred percent on this. I don't think this as fact, um, but I believe that Al Jazeera got their hands on it. If you remember, early in 2001 and 2002, oh, and even, like we called that a terrorist up. network. Like we we thought that was terrorist that is, that TV. Is so hilariously well, funny. They like, they played a lot of beheading videos, and they didn't they get a lot of shit for actually they, like they got sent they, beheading they, videos. Well, yeah, they, were, yeah. they were the main network of the area. Yeah, like they, like what do well, you want I believe them? They're, they're 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 the CNN yeah. of the Middle East. What do you want them to do? Right, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't. I do remember a lot of the controversy, though. I and remember probably that, a lot of it was just steeped in racism and not understanding what it oh, was you were watching. Yeah, and that even came more a few years later when the U.S. The hilarious part of that is that you know most of them are Israelis. Yeah, <laughs> or alleged allies. Uh, I remember the controversy a lot a few years later into the future when U.S. network like cable providers and shit started picking up Al Jazeera, and then it, well, it finally. Then it, well, they actually yeah. did they get Al Jazeera? Was there an Al Jazeera too at one point? And there might have been. I yeah. think they branched out and had more than one channel at a certain point. Uh, I know that like I still that, like Al Jazeera is on my TV right now. Like mm-hmm. I know that like we have. Like it, now it's it's been brought into the Western world, but I do remember. But to your to your question, like I think that that video was obtained by Al Jazeera, and then once it was played on the airwaves in in the Middle East, we got it, and then and that's how we were playing it. Because I do remember like it was playing with the Al Jazeera, uh, whatever symbols um, on it, yeah. like the the, the, the logo, the, the watermark, the lo- yeah, the watermark. Um, so. One of the things that we talk about the Taliban, we've talked about the the uh, the ultimatum um, that was uh, that was um, given to them by two by December 31st, New Year's Eve of 2001. The Taliban has started to retreat, at least from like from uh, Kandahar and from Kabul. And like they were on Jalalabad. Yeah, yeah, they were on the run. Um, here is all of your Afghan major cities. We're going to talk, uh, Frank, I'll have you read something in a second on, uh, Mullah o- Omar. Um, after I play this clip, because I want to, I want to say his name and specify that George Bush in this clip is not talking about Osama bin Laden. Uh, he is because for a long time, I don't think I think Bush kind of forgot about Osama bin Laden after we got into this. Um, But we but he's talking about uh, Mullah Omar um, and and the retreat in Afghanistan. So we'll listen to this clip and then, Frank, I'll have you read a little bit. No. Yeah. I mean, the same pursuit. We're going to get him. And it's just a matter of when. 
you know, you hear all kinds of reports and all kinds of rumors. You know, you got people saying he's in a cave, people saying he's dead, people saying he's in Pakistan. He and, was! Uh, <laughs> all I know is that he's running. And anytime you get a person running, it means you're going to get him pretty soon. Hold on, George. What? We're, we're, Wait, we're, we're going what to fucking, He went to the hunt, like, oh my God. he realizes normal I, hunting, I, they don't, like, push I, the deer nor to, towards I, you, right? I love, I love George Bush so much. Oh, man. I love the idea. You can't get caught if you don't run away. So yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. We're, we're going to get him. He's so, he's so, whenever somebody's running away, that means we're going to get him. <laughs> right? Okay. No, 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 no. Let me. We're, we're, we're going to get him. How do you yeah. think, George, how do you think escape works? Let me, <laughs> that's how you have to run away to escape. Sometimes let, you just escape. Let me bum George Bush out. Uh, hindsight, he's like, some say he's in Pakistan. Yeah, that's exactly where, where he was that? the whole time. I have, I have the benefit of living in the future. Whereas George Bush in that clip didn't, but when somebody's running, we're gonna get him pretty soon. He died like 12 years later of tuberculosis, and we didn't find out about it for another two years. So, like, maybe not, George. Maybe don't just like huh? Mullah Omar. Oh, died. Oh, we're, oh, we're, we're I not. We were no, no, about the, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Mullah Omar. The George Bush got to yeah, my brain. No, uh, Mullah Omar died in 2013. Uh, of tuberculosis and was then and but we didn't find out about it until 2015. Um, yeah, I remember news of that broke too. That yeah, was I, a huge deal. I do <laughs> too. Um, so anyway, do you want to read us a little bit about who Mullah uh, Omar is um, and what his contribution to the Taliban was, so that we have some reference as to who we're chasing uh, in that clip? I'm going to uh, paraphrase because there are some. Uh, I'm just going to take out some names and words that I cannot pronounce, and I don't feel like butchering. Um, so biological uh, details about Mullah Omar are sparse and conflicting. Uh, he was an ethnic uh, Pashtun of the uh, Jilze branch, uh, reportedly born near uh, Kahandar, Afghanistan. He's believed to have been illiterate and had minim minimal school training. He had fought against the Soviets during the Afghan War of 78 to 92, and during that time he had suffered the loss of his right eye in an explosion. After the Soviet withdrawal, Omar established and taught at a small village in the province of Kandahar. Is that, am I pronouncing that right? Kandahar. Yeah. Kandahar. Kandahar. Thank you. Yep. The end of the war did not bring calm, however, and a political and ethnic violent, uh, violence escalated thereafter. Claiming to have had a vision instructing him to restore peace, which actually that vision was like he thought he witnessed like a nine-year-old angel talking to him, saying mm -hmm. that he would, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he led a group of students in a takeover of cities throughout the mid-90s. I think he started with 50 students, uh, was the original beginning of the Taliban. And then uh, in 90, 1996, a council recognized uh, Omar as the commander of the faithful, a deeply significant title in the Muslim world that had been disused since the abolition of the caliphate in 1924. So he kind of ushered in a new era yeah, of so fundamentalism when, oh, yeah. when back to that, Afghanistan. When that happened, the Mujahideen, which was the ruling group in Afghanistan during the Soviet area, era, not area, era, joined the Taliban. So it went from like, you know, however hundred many Taliban to thousand. Yeah. It's also interesting what what fucking one motivated person, charismatic leader can do with fifty students. Yeah. And that that is now they have taken over a country and influenced our country for the last thirty years. Well it is good to point out too that like we call them fundamentalists. We we understand them as fundament fundamentalists, but all it seems like 
all fundamentalists, no matter what, no matter the religion, no matter the group or the cult or whatever, like it, they all follow that similar pattern. It doesn't even matter. They can be a uh, half a world away from each other and not even know each other's language. But Jim Jones and Mullah yeah. Omar have the same like religious uh presence vision it's a cult um, against how do you say like someone like jim brown the start of the civil war you can put him in the exact same category of someone who had a religious fervorism that like pushed them to yeah change the world in the way they didn't even comprehend they could they're all cults against like modernizing the world right right um yeah that's a good way to put it too because that's i mean essentially that's they would say they're trying to keep it uh, traditional and uh, keep their faith and their their culture, but at a certain point, it does seem like they're just dragging their feet, not wanting to march towards. Fucking, they, they also uh, probably hate the shoes that I have on my feet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not wearing socks. <laughs> um, I that makes my feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing socks either. What the, uh, what the hell, guys? Yeah, sorry. Even after <laughs> I, I didn't was, sign on for this podcast, <laughs> I have memory foam soles. They're actually quite comfortable. I thought this was a knee high podcast. <laughs> I, I have flip flops. So, um, which I said after like cutting my toe off last year that I wasn't going to wear anymore. But that's why they're really comfortable. Um, so something interesting, uh, I guess. A lot of this episode, we're going to talk about just the the how rapid the expansion of of where we are, um, or or of where we were, and and the war, like the situation that we built up. Um, so w- w- the one thing that I think is important about the last clip and about you know when you got a guy on the run, we're going catch him. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get him. <laughs> we're going to get him. Sounds uh, a lot like the. Uh... <laughs> the Velveeta uh, mac and cheese commercial. The, the, Don't get. <laughs> the point there is that by December 31st, 2001, the Taliban is on the run. America has moved troops in. Uh, we are doing operations in Afghanistan, and the Taliban is on the run. It seems because we're 20 years in the future now, like Afghanistan took forever. But, like, it didn't to get out, to get the Taliban to start running. I'm not saying that the Taliban disappeared. Land disappear. They they became guerrilla warfare. Like yep. that, they became guerrillas um, and hid in especially so, southern areas. So like, for for Americans, fans of the movie The Patriot, to be specific, uh, that's hmm. guerrilla warfare. Deep cut Mel Gibson classic. Yeah. <laughs> that that's guerrilla warfare. Yeah. So just like wait for your enemy to move by and you know ambush them. Right. That's what the Taliban have done to us for twenty years. Yes. Yeah. Um, See, and that's the key, like, because the fact that this is, like, the third pro- – Afghanistan becomes the per- third proxy war in our, our – or was in our fight against the Soviets. And it feels like with Bush, even though the Soviets are gone, he, he's thinking, like, well, this can be like a Korea. It can be three years, and we can make sure at least our part of the country is the, run the way we want it to be. Instead of turning into a Vietnam where we spend fucking 20 years, we leave, and then immediately it's undone. The problem is that they didn't have an attention span long enough to figure out what the fuck they wanted their mission to be. They didn't have, as a government, not as a military, but as a government. I gotta hit the pause button here real quick, because we're talking about Vietnam and Korea. And we were earlier before the podcast, we were talking about, like, North and South. Like, why is it that, you know, like, we succeeded with South Korea? lost North Korea, and then Vietnam, like, we were in the south trying to push north. With Afghanistan, it's been the same. Like, the the easier footholds were the south, and then harder, it, it got harder up north. And that's 
where we mainly got our butts kicked. Yeah, I, I wonder it, if anybody's got, ever studied that. Why, I like the I, North? It's like the. I think it has it, with Afghanistan. It's everything to do with terrain. I think this kind of the same with South South Korea, North Korea, but like Vietnam, it's not really explained. I think this is just uncanny. We're in like a we'll weird thing. The, uh, we're in a weird thing that we can't explain. We'll right call now. it the Game of Thrones effect. Yeah. I think it's harder when you go up north. One thing, <laughs> <laughs> one thing that is uh, that is unfortunate, and also, uh, I I put a big responsibility on on what the war on terror would become, is that the the government that was in charge of it. And we're not talking about the the military at all, but just the government that was in charge of giving the military their orders and shit and making the decisions on a not diplomatic but political level um, wasn't focused. They were focused on – I feel like they were focused on what they could expand to, and they had their own reasons, and we will get into those reasons in a little bit. Um, But it didn't seem like their attention span was there for the fight that they told us that we were going into. Case in point, six months after the Taliban was on the run on on New Year's Eve of 2001, we get an excerpt, or we're going to hear a little bit from a press briefing uh, that Donald Rumsfeld gave us. And they're going to, now we've talked about the snowball rolling. Um, the snowball The snowball is is now, like, it's massive. Like, it's about to get fucking... I don't even remember who Donald Rumsfeld is. So, Donald Rumsfeld's Secretary of Defense, uh, 2001 through 2006. Rumsfeld was named Secretary of Defense soon after President George W. Bush took office in 2001, despite Rumsfeld's past rivalry with the previous President Bush. Uh, Bush's first choice, FedEx founder Fred Smith, was unavailable, and Vice President-elect Cheney recommended Rumsfeld for the why job. D- why does the guy that founded FedEx have the, the, the anything bill. to do right. with the Secretary what of the Defense? Fuck? Like, yeah. He can ship a good package. He can fight a good war. It's cronyism. Rumsfeld's like, sec- there's a lot of logistics that goes into war, but it's, it's not... It's not I the mean, same type of logistics. I feel like no. Bush watched the movie Castaway where they heavily product placement FedEx and it convinced <laughs> him and he's like, give me that guy. Uh, Rumsfeld's second tenure as Secretary of Defense cemented him as the most powerful Pentagon chief since Robert uh, McNamara. Okay. Yeah, he's the one who got us all in, oh, into Vietnam. Gotcha. Um, and one of the most influential cabinet members of the Bush administration. His tenure uh, proved to be a pivotal and rocky one that led to the United States mil- that led the United States military into the 21st century. Following September 11th attacks, Rumsfeld left led the military planning and execution of the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan and subsequent. Rumsfeld led the planning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. And subsequent invasion of Iraq in 2003. He pushed. So he just bypassed the generals. I mean, I, I think he had more of a heavy hand than he probably should have. Especially, well, I know that now with, with hindsight. That, that just knew where to ship packages. But I think even at the time. No, no, no. Or no this is, Rums, yeah, Rums he was Rums not available. Yeah, the they FedEx get, guy wasn't available. They, okay, that's actually yeah. worse. They couldn't get FedEx guy, so Rumsfeld was their so remind, second choice. Remind me again who Rumsfeld is. Rumsfeld was the secretary He was the secretary of defense under George Bush already. Senior. Under senior. Under okay, senior. Okay, so he's, yeah, okay, yeah. he's had experience. Yes. Right. Which half of Bush Jr.'s cabinet was just made up of people who'd worked for his dad, right? And that his dad recommended essentially, like... Yeah. Uh, he put real quick. I'm going to finish this little excerpt. He pushed hard to send uh, as small a force as soon as possible to both conflicts. Um, 
a concept codified as the Rumsfeld Doctrine. Throughout his time as Defense Secretary, Rumsfeld was noted for his candor and quick wit uh, when giving weekly press conferences or speaking with the press. U.S. News and World Report called him a straight-talking Midwesterner who routinely had the press corps doubled over in fits of laughter. By the same token, his leadership was exposed uh, to much criticism through through provocative books covering the Iraq conflict, like Bob Woodward's State of Denial, Thomas E. Rick's fiasco and Seymour Hersh's chain of command. Um, so, like, I, so I, that's who Donald Rumsfeld is. Here's a clip from him in June of 2002, six months after the Taliban has begun running in Afghanistan, and we are ready to change the subjects, my friends. Uh, what do you make of the statement made by the Iraqi government, the statement by the Iraqi government uh, yesterday that Iraq has no weapons of mass destruction and is not developing any? They're lying. Next. Iraqi threats toward their countries. Would it mean any military might are they lying about one, both? No, they have them, and they continue to develop them, and they've weaponized chemical weapons. We know that. They've had an active program to develop nuclear weapons. They, uh, it's also clear that they are actively developing biological weapons. I don't know what other kinds of weapons would fall under the rubric of weapons of mass destruction, but, but if there are more, I suspect they're working on them as well, even though I don't happen to know what they are. It was such a simpler time when you didn't have to give a fucking explanation for the shit that you're saying. <laughs> They're lying. They're lying. Next question. Next we haven't question. we haven't found them, but I'm sure they have them. And I don't know what they are, but I'm sure they I'm sure they have even worse ones than that. Like the you know. only thing they found were scud missiles uh, yep. that may or may not have been biological weapons. And, well, and to say that they're a biological were now from 15 years. We before. should explain what a scud missile is. A, a scud missile is. A large rocket that is on the back of a truck. Like, think of it like a, a a larger version of a tow truck where there's a missile that rises up. Yeah, it's a like a giant it. erection and then fires off yeah. and goes Vivid description. several hundred miles away and then delivers its payload. It is the uh it's what you see when you when Kim Jong un hosts uh, yeah. or has a rally driving like, through the streets yeah. of North Korea. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um so the, you guys remember WMDs but for the young audience members this is the start this this is one of the early mentions that now we're tying Iraq into this. Oh yeah like we've already Bush has already set up and Cheney has already set up that uh, we're going after terror, and it'd be anywhere it's at. You know, there could be terror down that street. There could be terror in that neighborhood. We're going after all the terror. Um, and then Dick Cheney hit, also starts trying to make a uh, connection between Al-Qaeda and Iraq. And that should have been the first fucking red flag uh, that they started to try to make, because that has never been proven, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but... The administration officials started talking about ties between Al-Qaeda and Saddam Hussein's regime. Now Donald Rumsfeld, in June of 2001, uh, I'm sorry, 2002, is on TV in a press conference talking about our intelligence community has said that Saddam Hussein is trying to make weapons of mass destruction. And all of a sudden, we're not talking about terror anymore. 
We are like Saddam Hussein's regime is a fucking government. So I'm not saying he's not a bad guy. He is a bad guy. He's a shit guy. But we are no longer talking about a war on terror. Right. We are talking about a war with another country's regime with the well, I, with for regime change is is the what, the mission. What year was this? This was in uh June of 2002. We forgive us, we had a break so I had to figure out again where we were at on the timeline. Um, but yeah, I mean, six months after the Taliban is has run, we're already expanding uh, our, and we, yeah. we and it's okay. not like we've had a rousing success so far in those six months. Like no. we've like you know, it, it's not like a Gulf War where we were done, pretty much done in like a well, half a year. Well, all of the names that were being told on TV, whether we're talking about yeah, Mullah the, Omar or now, Osama now bin Laden, we don't have them. Yeah. Now I understand why I don't really remember what started Iraq because it all happened so quick. And I was too busy paying attention to what was going on in middle school. Well, yeah, and yeah, we were young and we were preoccupied by a lot of different stuff. Also, the fact that like the average American, I'm pretty I think sure at this point I realized what, I, I, at this point I had realized what girls were for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> there are things on Jim's mind. Yeah, <laughs> but I think for most Americans now, let alone in 2001 or pre pre 9/11, the difference between Iraq and Afghanistan is minute to them it's you know it's I don't the other even, side of the world i don't even think for like adults and shit like i don't think for a, any american in that time we like you got to remember that we're coming out of the 90s when like we're not really talking about like desert storm happened in the early 90s and like so we know a little bit of kuwait and stuff but like we haven't been um we haven't been at like in this constant war for the last decade right. at this point in the early 2000s um and so yeah it's just the other side of the world in the same way that americans especially in in a time of economic surplus in a time when life wasn't that bad prices weren't that high and shit we didn't have to worry about the other side of the world we were just america we're number one baby <laughs> and what is that quote about uh war is god's way of teaching americans geography <laughs> oh, that's, that's messed up um, but true yeah yeah kind of um we're all familiar, and we've talked about it several times. We know what Trump's big lie is. Here's Bush's big lie, the first big lie. I take the threat very seriously. I take the fact that he develops weapons of mass destruction very seriously. I remember the fact that he has invaded two countries before. I know for a fact that he's poisoned his own people. He doesn't believe in the worth of each individual. He doesn't believe in public dissent. Not saying that, that stuff is not true, but I will also remind you that George Bush remembers some stuff pretty vividly because George Bush's dad has already had some battles with Saddam Hussein. Um, well, and the big lie absolutely was that they, they had weapons of mass destruction, right. which was the lie that was the only, pretty much the only reason any, that most Americans were allowed it to happen, I think. Right. Um, a little background. Yeah, because while everything else that was listed off is 100% bad. Uh, yeah, and he we we all knew that we didn't really have a, any business being there. Right. right, and it's not that like yes, it is bad, but like so are lots of countries. Is it now our job to go in and fix what we don't like? Right, world you know, police. It's kind of the same way, like. WMDs they got away with, but even that argument is like we can't allow them to get massive weapons that can do massive destruction. 
But even then, it's like, all right, but then, like, Russia has nukes. Where's the line? Yeah. We just had to, but, like... Well, the, the line is that Russia has a bunch of nukes. Yeah, yeah. Mu- mutually... Exclu- or, what is it, uh... Mutually assured destruction. Destruction, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess like we just don't want anybody else to join that elite club because then it takes the cool out of it. <laughs> I guess. Um, a little There's bit. only two we, membership America cards. is that fucking person who's into a band, but then the moment everyone else wants to buy their albums, we're like, fuck, you guys are ruining it. <laughs> Jesus, we're a bunch of hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so we're going to – we have – like Rumsfeld said it. Bush has said it. We're gonna get now that we've moved on to our second, uh, our second interest, um, or even third or fourth, depending on how you look at it, because it was Osama uh, bin Laden, it was, and then it became quickly Al Qaeda, and then it became quickly the Taliban, and now all of a sudden, uh, and then it became terror, and then it became, oh hey, uh, somebody else in the area has some shit that we don't like. Somebody uh, that could possibly not like us has okay. possible <laughs> these uh, things that could make go we're, boom. We're gonna go in and make sure they don't like Ignore us. Ignore the fact that they have lots of oil. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Already pay attention to any of that. Rumsfeld in September of 2002 is going to continue down this, uh, th- this, this train of thought, I guess. We do have solid evidence of the presence in Iraq of Al-Qaeda members, including some that have been in Baghdad. Uh, we have what we consider to be a very reliable reporting of senior level contacts going back a decade uh, and of possible chemical and biological agent training. And when I say contacts, I mean between Iraq and Al-Qaeda. Um, the reports of these contacts have been increasing since 1998. We have what we consider to be a credible evidence that Al-Qaeda leaders have sought contacts in Iraq who could help them acquire uh, weapon of weapons of mass destruction capabilities. Um, we do have, uh, I believe it's one report uh, indicating that Iraq provided unspecified uh, training relating to chemical and or biological um, matters for Al-Qaeda members. We know there are Al-Qaeda in the country and we know they've discussed with Iraq safe haven. Now, whether the ones that are in the country are there under some sort of grant of safe haven or not is, is happens to be a piece of intelligence that either we don't have or we don't want to talk about. Many have suggested that the problem can be dealt with simply by returning inspectors to Iraq. But we must remember that inspections are not an end in themselves. The objective has to be disarmament, to compel Iraqi compliance with the UN Security Council resolutions that called for the complete destruction of Saddam's weapons of mass destruction and an end to all efforts to develop or produce more chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons. So now we know the game plan. The game plan has shifted uh, from Afghanistan, from terror, from all of the aforementioned um, mission statements to weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons, and this idea that Al-Qaeda has a connection to the Saddam Hussein regime. And what's interesting, Frank, or Jim, uh, we debated this the last time we recorded a Devil's Advocate. Uh, who, like, how did we get into Iraq? 
um and and you had even thrown that idea out there that there had to be like that we were there was a connection like we were told that there was a connection we were only told that there was a connection that and and now we'll again we'll talk about the at the end of all of this we'll talk about the 9-11 commission um and what was found as it relates to the afghanistan the september 11th attacks the afghanistan war and the iraq war um but you you just like the it's iraq they built this story still doesn't make a whole lot of sense especially considering and i know we'll get to it later but like there's a lawsuit uh going on today about 9-11 that is uh uh, from some of the families of the people who died who are suing Saudi Arabia for right. their role, which is, I don't know that's been conclusively proven, but heavily implied that Saudi Arabia funded and sheltered and somewhat backed the 9-11 attacks. But that's not a country we went after, which uh, kind of boggles my mind because then it just shows to you that it wasn't really about like tr- like getting back at the people who actually did this or funded it. It was kind of about going to the, into the countries we wanted an excuse to go into in the first place, and this was convenient. It does. It does kind of feel like that. And one thing that makes it feel more like that is because they because they had to play up this connection. Like you have to get from one dot to the other. You like you're trying to draw a line there. Well, like if right you're the here, they're, they're just making Iraq sound scary, which Saddam Hussein sucked. Right. Like if you were an Iraqi citizen at this time, Saddam Hussein was terrible. Yeah. But like well, they uh, let's, the the Bush administration just tried to insert the weapons of mass destruction in there as a justification for making sure that they didn't fall into the wrong hands. If, if you flipped well, if you flipped which, around, would it which, be like the equivalent of of them hating Bush but then them atta- like a green lighting an attack on Tony Blair and the UK? Because they kind of supported each other. I didn't. I haven't heard the name Tony Blair, and I don't even know how long. But that is kind of the the, (laughs) the, because there is a connection there between uh, Iraq and Saddam and the Taliban, and you know, like there was support and there was communication. But but I don't know that that necessarily means that they were. But again, there it it would be fair to assume that there would be uh, connections between if they would have found weapons oh, that, of mass yeah. destruction then nobody would have be, would, nobody would be batting an eye at it, right? no no that there would probably... still be a whole lot of fucking corruption but right. nobody would and be actually, batting an eye and actually if they if they stopped uh, Saddam from getting a WMD a nuke or something like that or even like a huge dirty bomb that would be probably one of the most justified right. wars we'd ever been in but to a point that you said a second ago it would be fair to assume even now that the Taliban had connections with Saddam Hussein, those are those are two ruling parties. Right. Al Qaeda is a different story. Here's a little bit on the connection, the alleged connection um, between Iraq and Al Qaeda. Saddam Hussein and Al Qaeda linked allegations were made by the U.S. government officials who claimed that a highly secretive relationship existed between Iraqi President Saddam Hussein and the radical Islamist militant organization al-qaeda between 1992 and 2003 specifically through a series of meetings reportedly that reportedly involved the iraqi intelligence service iis in the lead-up to the iraq war george bush administration officials alleged that saddam hussein regime had an operational relationship with al-qaeda even though there was scant credible evidence of such a relationship at the time uh, basing the administration's rationale for war in part on this allegation and others 
2007 Pentagon Inspector General report concluded that Douglas Fess office and uh, in the Department of Defense had developed, produced, and then disseminated alternative intelligence assessments on the Iraq and al-Qaeda relationships, which included some conclusions that were inconsistent with the consensus of the intelligence community to senior decision makers. The consensus of the intelligence experts has been that these contracts never led to an operational relationship and that the consensus is backed by reports from the independent 9-11 commission and by declassified Defense Department report, as well as by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, whose 2006 report of Phase 2 of its investigation into pre-war intelligence reports concluded that there was no evidence of ties between Saddam Hussein and al-Qaeda. Critics of the Bush administration have said that Bush was intentionally building a case for war with Iraq without regard to factual evidence. On April 29, 2007, former Director of Central Intelligence George Tenet said on 60 Minutes, we could never verify that there was any Iraq authority direction and control complicitly with al-Qaeda for 9-11 or any operational act against America, period. There's no connection. All right. That's pretty damning. Yeah. yeah. And as usual, Bush's critics were pretty right Thousands of lives and billions of dollars. Yeah. 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 Don't let that stop you, George. My fellow citizens, events in Iraq have now reached the final days of decision. For more than a decade, the United States and other nations have pursued patient and honorable efforts to disarm the Iraqi regime without war. In recent days, some governments in the Middle East have been doing their part. They have delivered public and private messages urging the dictator to leave Iraq so that disarmament can proceed peacefully. He has thus far refused. All the decades of deceit and cruelty have now reached an end. Saddam Hussein and his sons must leave Iraq within 48 hours. Their refusal to do so will result in military conflict, commenced at a time of our choosing. For their own safety, all foreign nationals, including journalists and inspectors, should leave Iraq immediately. I hope a, I hope an entire— I, re- I remember this one pretty I, vividly. Man, I, re- I don't know about you, but or I don't know the logistics of evacuating a country, but I really hope two days is long enough. Because it would suck to not be able to get out in that amount of time. Oh, isn't it interesting? Two days is not long enough. Isn't no. it interesting like, that we're not... I can't, even, the, I can't even organize a U-Haul in two days. Right? <laughs> God, us trying to organize, like, recording a podcast takes longer than that. We are, like, the, there is an obvious comparison to be made here. Like, just think about, like, you know, you, Saddam's Palace. You, you, there's an apartment complex right across the street. Right. Like, or just like, like most, most of the bombings in the ho- your family's in the hospital. Well, shit. Most abandoned of, grandma. Yeah. Most of the bombing happened in the palace, and then like there's subdivisions right across the street. Two days. Yeah. Two days. Man, where are the people that are criticizing Biden's? And I'm not saying that Biden has a good exit strategy, but it was longer than two fucking days. I don't. I don't hear that. That comparison in the news, which shocked me when I heard this forty-eight hour ultimatum, because like, yeah, when I when I first of all when I found the, this video, um, makes sense that you would give a government like I don't agree with necessarily why why we went there or like whatever. It makes sense that you would give the government that you're about to invade an ultimatum and a, like a time to leave, but to then throw at the end of that like, hey, 
if you're an American or an ally, leave yeah. now. Like, pack up your shit. You know, if, if so you, much if you worse value, than what Biden did. If you value <laughs> the life of your family, uh, move them away from, like, designated areas. I always try to think, like, I always try to put now, myself in their shoes. Like, it's the best way to view any story between two groups is try to, like, just have empathy. Well, and I'm imagining so th- uh, if, comes if from... someone was attacking us or if we harbored someone who was considered a war criminal, imagine America doing that. It's not like we've done that a lot with <laughs> yeah. presidents. But, like, imagine some, uh, like, Putin coming on and being like, look, we're coming to get this guy. He's bad. You all should clear out because you got two days. Like, we're a much bigger country than Iraq physically. So I'd still be, be shitting my pants. Us. Yeah, but, yeah. like, even if I live near the border, I would still be like, you expect me to drop everything because of one guy who, like, probably, most pro- people probably don't even like. Also, like, his sons were horrible to that fucking country. Like, just people like, did not enjoy his reign as much as he would love to pretend or would have loved to pretend. Does, we remember how much we bombed the holy living shit out of Iraq, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. Do was, you remember, like, because like with with the start of Afghanistan, there wasn't a whole lot of footage because no. Afghanistan isn't is a is a very minimally developed country. I remember the now Iraq. On the other hand, it's pretty damn modern. I mean, it's one of the oldest areas on the planet as far as like civilization is concerned. Mm-hmm. So there, like, it is a very very modern, like, city and suburb style country. So. Like watching that footage, like there there was U.S. reporters on the balcony of hotels with bombs mm. dropping on the palace in the <clears> background. Yeah, I remember. Like, do you remember watching like videos, like the, the like, night vision videos of like bombs coming down? Just mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of bombs hitting the city. Yeah, I mean that was the first Be- war behind that the we reporters in whatever color jacket they were wearing, pummeling it. That was the first war we saw in HD. Like, yeah, that was digital. Like that twenty four hours a day. That was the moment that I hated the. I'll never forget I hated watching the wars. That. Mm-hmm. It was dinner time, and yeah. every everybody at the table was silent. We were we. I don't even know if you we were eating. Yeah, like I don't, I I don't think I don't think we ate that day. We just kind of like s- turned and watched the TV. I remember as get, we were bombing the bejesus out of Iraq. I remember getting into an argument with my mom on that day because I remember I remember the whole family like sitting there and watching. The whole family is old enough. I'm I'm, I'm the oldest of a large family, so like the baby brothers and shit weren't in the in the picture at that time. But I remember. Uh, at least the my sister who was uh, 13 months younger than me myself and my parents sitting there watching that and I remember walking away like disgusted because at this point it was like it was becoming it was becoming less reasonable like even just by watching it at the time to be like wait a minute how do we get to Iraq like this isn't what this was about 12 months ago like we got attacked yes but how does Iraq play into this and I just remember my mom and I getting into an argument because it was one of those things where like American pride was really high after the attack and it was kind of like oh my do you remember how like you, you jump you, you behind your leader that would say like you would see the local Dollar General and they'd have a sign that said like no American flags available because yeah. everyone was trying to buy them like, I, yeah. it was there was a fervor of patriotism. like I, I remember all that but I was like, you know I was in seventh grade right. I was eleven you, years old I cared more about Dragon Ball Z right, right. and I and I and like we, we've obviously read about the patriotism that followed Pearl Harbor anytime your country's attacked you're gonna swell around it that's that's natural I remember like I, I didn't have that wherewithal that you're talking about like it, I it, like I watched the news and was like my jaw. Was was on the floor but 
I watched Dragon Ball Z the next day, and that was more riveting. Yeah, see, I <laughs> see, remember. Maybe because I be I was forced into the, like the the uh, we'll put a boot in your ass, the American. What's that fucking song? Oh, this is uh, fucking Toby Keith. Toby yeah. Keith. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but there was that the, the American, and it was man. very much tied up in what happened with country music in the two thousands. But um, I don't even know patriot. It was like uber patriotism it, took over. I the first time that I heard the term un-American, it was being I was being called it because I was. Because from early on, Afghanistan was one thing. I remember, and now to me, I have a different opinion than I did about Af- even Afghanistan to some degree uh, than I did when I was fucking thirteen or whatever, um, which I should have as a thirty-year-old. Uh, but I remember from the beginning thinking, like standing in that living room and being like, "No, this one's wrong. Like there isn't there. You, the two dots don't fucking connect." And like. I understand that he's a bad guy, but I don't understand why we're there. And think about it. it, We just listened to the ultimatum to Saddam Hussein. I'm not being sympathetic to Saddam Hussein. I know that he is a piece of shit. I am not uh, sympathizing or defending. But think about being in Saddam Hussein's position, a leader of a country, even though he's a bag of shit, and I understand that and agree. To be given an ultimatum, Based on something that you didn't have any connection yeah. with, like give us your WMDs. I don't have them, man. I do like <laughs> and, and being accused of having some hand in Al Qaeda. Well, he had biological weapons because he used it in. He the, got he used it in the Iraq Iran war, but he got yeah. rid of them. He got rid of them in '93, yeah. and he didn't have anything. Well, no, and, and we'll, like, it, and I do want to give them a pass, thinking that he could have. This is a guy who like historically did. And we just got attacked, and it seems like anti-American fervor is on the rise. So yeah. I, it seems natural to look at that guy and be like, probably, you know, it wasn't true. Yeah. I don't fault them necessarily for thinking it. I fault them for acting so boldly on something they couldn't prove or they didn't right. have proof this for. This is why we have an intelligence community. Yes. The intelligence community is to confirm it, that shit. And it already before. failed you once massively on 9-11 or we, it succeeded we, and you we, ignored we it. We handed but. it over to one guy and his name was Hans Blix, which doesn't even sound like a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we B-L-I-X. That is That's the name a of name. a 13-year-old catfishing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just like you know, and like again, not trying to defend Saddam or sympathize or like whatever. But in a sense, like if you are being accused of having ties to a terrorist organization that you don't have ties with, and you're being accused of having weapons that you got rid of ten years ago, why step the fuck down? Why leave? Like, well, why? we also got to understand the ego <laughs> of the guy. Like, even if he did have him, I don't think he would have. No. He wouldn't have done anything. He wouldn't have capitulated and, at all. No. And honestly, like, I'm fine with getting rid of Saddam. Should have happened in 93 when he fucking gassed his, when did he gas his people in 93? Yeah. When did he, so he, he gassed Iran and then again his own people. Yeah, like, if you're going to take him out of, for crimes against humanity, Daddy should have done it. You don't wait a decade, yeah. Yeah. Or like, uh, almost a decade, and be like, well, now you have to, like. Yeah. Well. I'm fine with taking him out. Just do it at the right time for the right reason. For Daddy, Congress said no, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so that last clip, the 48-hour ultimatum, was on March 17th, 2003. Uh, um, we go to war. Six months after Towers, yeah. Yeah, no, not after the Towers. In two, oh, 2003. 2003, yeah. So, a year and six months. Uh, uh, yeah, but a year and a half after. By On May 1st, we get the most infamous moment of the Bush presidency. Major combat operations in Iraq have ended. 
In the Battle of Iraq, the United States and our allies have prevailed. Because of you, our nation is more secure. Because of you, the tyrant has fallen and Iraq is free. Paint a picture for anybody that doesn't remember it uh, or didn't live through it. Uh, this speech is being given on a on an aircraft carrier um, with a giant banner um, that George Bush is standing under that reads "Mission Accomplished" in May of 2003. We did not leave there in May of 2003, um, and not much was accomplished at that point. And not much, was nor would it be a no. decade and a half later. I don't even think we got. Well, I, I, we didn't what even was get the exact down. date we left Iraq. I don't. I don't even remember when we left Iraq. Uh, I'm fairly certain I was in Afghanistan when we left Iraq. I would say 2009 would be my guess. Yeah, because Obama pulled us yeah. out. So, yep. it's like, yeah. I was early a, on. I was, that was like one of his. I was absolutely in Afghanistan uh, when we pulled that out. That was of one Iraq. of his. That was one of his promises kept moment in in the 2012. Uh, yeah, which is yeah, why he, which is why he was like fuck Afghanistan. Yeah. Like I'm not doing that again. That turned to shit. Um, you know, but like yeah. to but, so from so for six more years we tried to install a puppet regime. Right. Well, and didn't that, work. Nope. Yeah. And then, as, that mission accomplished thing. That, to be and fair, and, and, like they and, they claimed that they were actually talking to that specific battalion or that whichever it was that group that was that was deploying home, well, and they had accomplished their mission. Which, so, like, fair enough. To, it, to bad to optics fair, either way. Yeah. To even be, if you meant it. <laughs> to be fair, mission accomplished was meant for like the upheaval of the Saddam Hussein regime, so that was done. But then we decided to stay there for another six years to try to nation build. Yeah, that that did not work. And then has that ever so, worked for us? No, no. Even no. like, well, like even Britain, which was like it, it worked for a while. Worked, it hasn't worked for anyone. It no, worked. I was you, thinking you like can, even Britain lost every. You can every, argue. Like, you can make an argument that they succeeded <laughs> to a point with India, but India is one hundred percent their own nation. And they have been since they see, declared independence. And I think if you go to the UK and see how much curry they use in their food, I think India won. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you could. Brit- Britain, Britain being a country that conquered the world for spices, they don't use any of them. For, fu- <laughs> for, for fuck's sake, they fry mayonnaise balls for breakfast. <laughs> Um, and this coming from the, co- the country think, that invented the Cinnabon. I think you can make the argument that we're, we may not be great at nation building. We are great at at a form of nation building as long as we're willing to stay. Well, like because Afghanistan well, is we, successful. We would have had, had to stay there forever. Forever. Like which is a not, which is an interesting way to uh to, to We would we would have had to have lose on average, you know, like 50 some odd soldiers a year forever. One of the things that I mean I, on, on bad years we were doing like 150. One of the things that so, I thought was funny was when I was looking at more than that. Oh, B- yeah. Bad years when I was there, it was like three hundred. Oh, something. that's there, right. Yeah, there, there was five hundred soldiers killed, and I think, and I say soldiers. I, I'm I was in the army. For, forgive me, Marines. We'll just say service members. Uh, there they, was. Did they get sticky about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? So soldiers mm-hmm. are army. Marines are Marines. Navy are sailors. You know, 
Air Force Airmen. You say whatever you You're looking at me for, like I'm gonna no, react. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna nod my head around. Like I think there's less get upset about there's these less things. clicky stuff in rap music. Than oh, there, there is. is. There, yeah. there absolutely the military. is. Military. Um, that they're we, all on the same side. That's we're, weird. We're, we're like four or five. If you want to really count the Coasties, nobody cares about the Coasties. There's four different frats that they, they get along to a point, but then it's like. We won't hesitate to throw mud in each other's faces. It's a dick measuring contest. Yeah, at some absolutely. One hundred percent. Is the Army Navy game still a huge thing? Oh yeah. Oh okay. That rivalry yep. still going strong. Ar- Army Army finally won last year after like you know forever of <laughs> <laughs> losing. <laughs> Are there more teams in that league, or is it just those two battling over and over? Because I well, only hear about those two. Te- technically, technically, the Marines fall under Navy. <laughs> How come the Globetrotters play every game right, in, like, their, <laughs> in their league? Um, Is yeah. it legal that they don't have to dribble? Come on. <laughs> um, but anyway, after that digression, uh, going back to this, you know, the the, the worst year, it was 500 plus. Uh, for the middle years in which I was in Afghanistan, so like probably from 2006 to 2013 were the worst years. There was consistently over 300 deaths in those years. Uh, but the years prior to that, years after that, there's less than 100 per year. So on average, if you average out the whole 20 years, you're still looking at 50-plus service members dead every single year. And that's not to include people that come back and kill themselves afterwards or suffer yeah. from PTSD forever afterwards. Like, PTSD just not and that, and that doesn't, doesn't also include doesn't people go who, away. who lost a limb or, yeah. you know... We're not talking about injuries uh, either, like sight. Frank's alluding to. Um, one of the reasons that we were uh, interested in nation building when it came to Iraq... One of the things I will say, too, real quick, uh, just to make the point, because I didn't when we were... Now we've moved on to Iraq... Um, because that's the that's the timeline that we took. You can't unmarry the two. No, yeah. you can't. And one of the things that we were pretty decent at, at least in the beginning in Afghanistan, was we installed a puppet leadership that worked with us, fucking signed a pipeline that deal uh, for natural gas from the Caspian from the Caspian Sea through four countries. Um, that that Karzai was the was the president of Afghanistan. He was a former uh, held a former seat on a Texas oil company's board. <laughs> uh, Unical, who was also he's not really an Afghan. No, uh, he's not. It was also the same company that George Bush sat on the board of when he was in Texas. Hey, um, making connections. And it was a pipeline that was proposed in 1998 and was stalled until we installed a puppet government in Afghanistan <laughs> when it was immediately... Oh, in, in 1998, the Bush family's like, so, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work, you say. Uh, let's make a reason to go invade that so country. So they started <laughs> it, it was it was like put on hold, and then they greenlit it the moment we invaded? The, the moment. Like, it almost definitely, like they they, definitely, needed, they were just waiting for a reason. Definitely to, to explains why we have we had giant forces in Afghanistan instead of just you know special forces teams to take out who we didn't like. Yeah, 
So let's talk about nation building in Iraq. Uh, here's a little bit on the military industrial complex and what we really accomplished in Iraq. Nobody likes to talk about the military industrial complex We're, because it makes us look like shit. Because it is shit. Like, well, all too often, the moment you start doing it, people uh, accuse you of criticizing the, not loving the troops, especially during yeah. the Bush years. Yeah. That's something you like. But it's you not hate a, the troops. Like, no, no I just don't. No, I hate We're fucking all, Halliburton. All, I hate overspending. Yeah. We're, We're on a podcast called An American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we lean into that heavily. <laughs> so this uh, this comes from the World Policy in- Institute, released on uh, February twenty fourth, two thousand three, as a network of citizens groups rally today at scores of sites in the United States and around the world to denounce the organizers characterized as war profiteering by major contractors like Halliburton, Betchel, and Lockheed Martin. The New York-based World Policy Institute is releasing new analysis that documents the rapid increase in in military contracts flowing into these firms as a result of the U.S. interventions in Iraq and Afghanistan. With the Pentagon budget at $400 billion per year and counting, plus, oh new, my God. plus new Department of Homeland that Security a with a $40 billion per year budget, plus wars in Afghanistan and Iraq that have cost $180 billion to date. These are lucrative times to be a military contractor, says Michelle Ciarocha, a senior research associate at the World Policy Institute and co-author of new analysis on the Pentagon's top 10 contractors. The Pentagon's big three contractors, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and Northrop Grumman, uh, alone split over $50 billion in prime contracts among, among them in, the, in 2003. Uh, to put this in, some, to put this in some, some perspective, Lockheed Martin's Pentagon awards at $29 billion are greater in value than the entire budget for the federal government's largest single welfare program, uh, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, which is meant to keep several million single parents and dependent children out of poverty. The Halliburton Factor, Iraq, re- Iraq rebuilding contracts fuel revent- revenue growth. The, uh, the greatest beneficiary thus far from the Bush administration's war without end approach to fighting terrorism has been Vice President Dick Cheney's former company Halliburton, notes William D. Uh, Harding the co-author of the Institute's new analysis. Halliburton's prime contracts with the Pentagon jumped from $483 million in fiscal year 2002 to $3.9 billion in fiscal year <laughs> 2003, and an uh, increase of nearly 700%. Jesus H. The vast bulk of the $3.9 billion Halliburton received from the Pentagon in 2003 went for the company's work around Iraq and Afghanistan, including everything from building military bases, providing meals, doing the laundry, to maintaining military vehicles, to rebuilding Iraq's oil infrastructure. The $3.9 billion the company earned in 2003 doesn't include billions in new contracts that have been issued since that time for rebuilding oil infrastructure in southern Iraq or for work in other parts of the world. Halliburton has also built bases in Uzbekistan and prison camps in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Anywhere you go where the U.S. Army has to deploy on short notice, Halliburton is there. Working on a cost-plus contract. Uh, Notes Frida Beringen, Deputy Director of the Institute's Arms Project and co-author of the new analysis. The billions they have earned thus far are just the tip of the iceberg. The question now is whether the Pentagon and the Bush administration are willing and able to hold Halliburton accountable for the vast sums of taxpayer money that they have been entrusted with. 
uh, notes Berenjen. The company's Iraq contracts have drawn fire on several fronts, from the $1 per gallon overcharges for gasoline brought over the border from Kuwait to the $6.3 million in kickbacks on another Kuwait contract. To charging three times as many meals, to charging for three times as many meals as were actually served at a major military facility in Kuwait, to wasting millions on the monogram tiles and overpriced vehicle leases of one of its Kuwaiti purchasing offices, as former Halliburton purchasing offer, as former Halliburton purchasing offer, officer Henry Budding put it. Recently, the company's motto for its work in Iraq appears to be "Don't worry about it; it's cost plus." The questions for the Pentagon, White House, and Congress is: Are they going to be? Are they going to hold Halliburton accountable for the work they are doing in Iraq, or are they going to continue to let them take the U.S. taxpayers for a ride, even as they provide shoddy support services to our troops in the field? Halliburton is the best-known beneficiary of Iraq, rebuilding work among the Pentagon's top contractors, but it isn't the only one. The Pentagon's number ten contractor for 2003, Computer Sciences Corporation. More than tripled its prime contracts from 2002 to 2003, from roughly 800 million to 2.5 billion. That's uh, number ten. Yeah, that's number ten. This Ooh. this uh, brought the company from 21st. We're just giving everybody almost three billion dollars. Yeah, uh, brought the company from 21st on the Pentagon's list to 10th in 2003. The bulk of CSC's growth comes from its ac- acquisition of DynCorps, a private military company which is engaged. Hmm. In everything from reforming Iraqi justice system to providing private security to I, Afghan I president. I their food. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> so, I remember Dying Corps. I remember Fleur. I remember KBR. I remember Halliburton. <laughs> Lockheed Martin and Northam Group, biggest gainers. While companies like Halliburton and computer science corporations experience the fastest growth in contracts during 2003 due to their involvement in Iraq and other and other outposts of the Bush administration's war on terrorism, old standby Lockheed Martin experienced the greatest absolute increase going from 17 billion to 21.9 billion in contracts between 2002 and 2003. To put this into some perspective, Lockheed Martin's increase in contracts for 2003 was greater than Halliburton's total Pentagon contract figure for the year. Lockheed Martin is present in most major lines of Pentagon business, from the Paveway GBU-12 and 16 laser-guided bomb kits that were used in Iraq and Afghanistan to the F-22 and F-35 fighter planes. Hold the phone. The F-22 is a major failure. Yeah? We don't... Of all the money spent on F-22s, there's not a single one in use. Really? Yeah. We've uh, we officially moved to the F-35 uh, around about... 2018. Good. We good thing we spent 4.7 billion on it then. That uh-huh. was the, it was exactly. the Windows 8 of planes. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, this sucks. Stop using it. <laughs> yeah. They got uh, 4.7 and 4.5 billion respectively uh, for in the 2005 uh, budget for those as well. Let's see. Northern German is the new kid on the block among defense industrial conglomerates. After almost being swallowed up by Lockheed Martin in the late 1990s, it bounced back with its own buying binge of major military shipyards like Newport News and Space Missile Defense Specialist TRW. Uh, Northern Group topped 10 billion, topped the 10 billion barrier for the first time in 2003, hitting 11.1 billion in prime contracts, up from 8.7 billion in 2002 from aircraft carriers and attack subs. Uh, built at its Newport News Virginia shipyards to its major subcontracting role on the FA-18EF, 
to a major missile defense role in its... Uh, so, v- I want... I want everyone to take a second and think about where Afghanistan is at geographically. It is a landlocked country. Why are we spending so much money on this? What is the name? Northman Group. Uh, North North Northrop. 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 German. Northrop. Northrop German. So why are we spending so much money on this company that is making? naval ships well because they have they friends also... in the bush administration <laughs> i think that's the most obvious I'm just, answer i'm just saying they also make parkas very <laughs> very handy in a place where it never snows so <laughs> talking about them as a whole compared to what we're paying everybody else like they're getting a small piece of the pie compared to the previous companies we've just mentioned but still we're spending eleven billion dollars, right? On... Even a small portion of that pie is still an astronomical sum of money for something we don't need. Yeah, not at the current second. We don't need ships. We're at war with a landlocked country. Yeah, you you interested in how cocky the the uh, owners of these companies are? Eh, not really. I can kind of just figure that out by myself. Quote. The purse is now open, and any member of Congress who argues that we don't have the resources to defend America won't be there after November of next year, end quote. The Boeing VP Harry Stonecipher quoted in Anne-Marie Squeo and Andy Pastor's Pentagon's budget becomes bulletproof, Wall Street Journal, October 15th, 2001. They ain't give a fuck. Literally using... Using the shield of uber patriotism brought on by a Trump traumatic event to uh, greedily make money. Yep. Yeah. Uh, knowing that, like, what they're they they don't that they're fleecing us out of stuff we don't need, and that they're ultimately hurting our our they the war effort. Care. And then they have the balls because these are CEOs, right? These are the elite. These are the rich. You they know, it's funny. The balls to tell us that we're gonna- we, that spending. Hurts the deficit. Yeah. Hurts the budget. We're, we're gonna we're gonna try to like say that we're gonna try to pretend that the Koch brothers are the only bad actors. Every single one of these people think the same way. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because 100%. it's it's advantageous to their bottom line, which is how like that's how they get successful. That's how none, you get none to, of these. You don't get to run these, Lockheed Martin unless you're good at, at yeah. making money. Right. None of these owners and CEOs need any more money. Nope. No. As a matter of fact, most of their profits go either right back into the company and or funneling in, into the political coffers of whoever they want to win. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's unbelievable how much money was made off of these wars. And it when you look at it in those terms, when you look at the billions and the- You're and just the, reading budgets for one year. For one year. Yeah. One year. All of these, both of these wars lasted, and it's not like, and, and it's not like these wars like it wasn't like the 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 bad fighting was all front loaded. Like, oh, we thank God we got rid of that in the first two years. Like, there's gonna be some moments in the next not decade only, and a half where we get like in really bad situations. Yeah. Not only that, but like we're talking about one year, and in that year, all of the already astronomical budgets that from 2002 were lower than the year we've just cited, which would only lead you to believe that, like, the numbers, as long as the war goes on, we're just going to find reasons to keep approving government contracts (laughs) and giving all these people money. And the vice fucking president is getting rich off this war that, especially in Iraq, 
that he has fucking drummed up the story for. Dick Cheney's make-believe tie between Al-Qaeda and, uh, and Saddam Hussein is the reason that Halliburton made so much money, is the reason that Lockheed Martin made so much money, is the reason that Northrop Grumman, I think is how you say it, uh, made so much money. Like, it's all... It's all based on something and, that they started developing the second that they got note, Osama bin Laden's name out of their mouth. Let, let's note that Iraq, on average, like per all soldiers there, so we're going to use the term per capita, even though I don't even think you can apply it here, but per capita, Iraq was more bloody than Afghanistan. Yeah. Can you imagine if we lived in a world today, or in a country today, where we hadn't spent that much money probably every year fighting a, a war halfway around the country. Can you imagine, like, we're, we're in the middle of a infrastructure battle about how everyone's always complaining about how we're going to pay for stuff. That's why... The it, amount of money that was wasted and just flushed down a toilet, especially considering we got nothing in terms of what we wanted to accomplish goal-wise. That's why I laugh. Stabilizing that area. and That's why so, I laugh when... So the reason that I can't buy a house right now for inflation reasons is 100% due to this stupid military industrial complex. Well, yeah. and it's I mean, also the And it's not new. I mean the, the enti- that complex right. started in the I mean uh Tr- what did Truman call like, it out in the 50s? Like, like right. mind you, I make more than what my parents made at my age and they still bought a house. So right. yeah. F off one of the, with this crap. One of the things that it has successfully done, too, is it's made people like me laugh whenever I see a news story where, uh, especially like on social media, when I see uh, Republicans commenting or even when I'm on Twitter and I see like Ted Cruz saying stupid shit, like whatever. Um, I laugh whenever people bitch about spending. Because I'm just like, dude, we fucking had trillions and billions and bajillions and we, all the we, time. And we, we still do if we just would we agree to quit spending that much every year. That's we, all it would take. We yeah, haven't but, had fiscal responsibility since the mid-90s. Yeah. We spend how much more, like, I, more than double. I think it's like 10 or 20 times the next nearest country in terms of our yeah. what we spend on national defense. And, what, and what's wild is that we're not any safer than most other countries that are able to prevent yeah. terrorist attacks and defend themselves that, and, and do it at a cost well, that is a fraction of what we so spend. The reason we have to spend so much is because we're so much bigger than most countries. And that is true. There are some it's, – it's, and, and we don't piss people off the way Canada does, so they kind of get a pass in, like, being safer than we do. So I understand <laughs> why we might have to pay a Here, little more. Here's the but, thing, like, though. we shouldn't have to pay 10 or 20 times. Here's the thing, though. We are a super big country, and, like, I get – to a reasonable extent that argument that like we do spend more because we're a bigger country but we fight all our wars not in america <laughs> that also should so, theoretically keep well, us safer here, here's because... also the other thing because we are a bigger country we should also make more money but R- we, right we we like export everything yeah or not that's not the right term we import everything we yeah we import everything because we send our business elsewhere yeah. to be made elsewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's what. That's why I. Anytime like, anybody's going to tell you that the American worker is important, they're full of shit. Yeah, they 100%. don't care. And that's why when uh, people, the, the conservatives and, and politicians, and whatever, scoff at the idea of like expanding welfare programs or uh, the, or uh, the universal income. The same people that scoff like, at like, the same yeah. people that scoff at welfare programs are the same people or, that sent all the jobs overseas. Yeah, right. but the people who scoff at us uh, funding PBS, like if if we just made a deal with them, like all right, you don't want like. 
we can easily pay for all this stuff you're worried about if we just shave, shave off like point zero zero one percent of what we spend in the military, here's and the, they get appalled by that theory. Here's the crazy thing. You know what they wouldn't be upset about? If we had Lockheed Martin go into PBS's headquarters and just put a bunch of fucking bombs in there so we had to pay them too, they'd be like, right. yeah, let's keep PBS. I want to see Big Bird uh, juggling three grenades. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to see now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's stupid and ridiculous. And the game started to be someone give Oscar the Grouch a machine gun. It is. It's uh, it's unbelievable how much money was spent on Iraq. Um, the, the game, the administration started to get called out. Um, after the I think the initial, um, rage and and grief and. Uh, that is because again that that timeline matters so much because like we were vulnerable as shit on September eleventh, two thousand one. If you look up Bush's approval rating right after nine eleven, it was eight high eighties. Yeah, almost the entire country is behind him. Right, and that I don't think that lasted long. I think within a year he went back to where he was. Well, yeah, because within a year he invaded Iraq. Right. Yeah, but but they used that that overall arching support and lack of criticism as a shield that like we're going to get away with as much stuff as we yeah. can while yeah. we can. So, Secretary of State Colin Powell um, was in a second. We're going to play a clip of him being uh, questioned about Iraq, but um, I do want to give you a little information about him um as secretary of state in the bush administration powell was perceived as moderate powell was unanimously confirmed by the united states senate um over the course of his tenure he had traveled less than any other u.s secretary of state in 30 years on september 11th 2001 powell was in lima peru meeting with president uh alejandro toledo and u.s ambassador john hamilton and attending the special session of the oas general assembly that subsequently adopted inter-american democratic charter um, after the september 11th attacks powell's job became of critical importance in managing america's relationships with foreign countries in order to secure a stable coalition of the in the war on terrorism Powell came under fire for his role in building the case for the 2003 invasion of Iraq. In a press statement on February 24th, 2001, he had said that sanctions against Iraq had prevented the development of any weapons of mass destruction by Saddam Hussein, as was the case in the days leading up to the Persian Gulf War. Uh, Powell was initially opposed to forcible overthrow of Saddam, preferring to continue a policy of containment. However, Powell eventually agreed to go along with the Bush administration's uh, determination to remove Saddam. He had often clashed with others in the administration who were reportedly planning an Iraq invasion even before September 11th the attacks. An insight uh, supported by testimony by the former terrorism czar Richard Clark in front of the 9-11 commission. The main concession Powell wanted before he would offer his full support for the Iraq war was the involvement of the international community in the invasion as opposed to unilateral as opposed to a unilateral approach. He was also successful in persuading Bush to take the case of Iraq to the United Nations and in moderating other initiatives. Bao was placed at the forefront of the of this diplomatic campaign. So, um one of the reasons he was criticized though uh as as I just read um was because in February of 2001, he was saying that Saddam Hussein uh, we, was not a, an immediate threat to the United States. And within that same timeline, um, he had said that, it, that Saddam was incapable 
of uh of create of having access to weapons of mass destruction which is ironic because of the position he would be put in only a few months later Con- <laughs> there's also a tape i didn't pull it but yeah. there's also a tape of condoleezza rice saying the same thing that like there's not they're not capable of of pulling off wmds and this was in 2001 i believe she was also in 2001 um so now we'll jump to uh october 3rd of 2003 and colin powell saying slightly a different thing i think it is clear that this was a regime that had not given up had not abandoned had not declared honestly to the united nations uh what they were doing and he is slowly uncovering it it's one thing to talk about intelligence reports, another thing to talk about false declarations. Now we have people on the ground who are pulling it up uh, witness by witness, program by program, document by document. And as uh, Mr. Kay said, Dr. Kay said, there's a lot more work to be done. So I think one has to look at the whole report. Have we found a factory or a, a plant or a uh, warehouse full of chemical rounds? No, not yet. <laughs> but as he said, there's much more work to be done. It's easy to it's easy to keep perpetuating this war. No, not yet. If if it's always no, not yet, and like so, it become it goes from we're just telling you to get us into Iraq that there that this stuff exists to once we're in Iraq, we'll find you know, it. Not being yeah. able to produce anything, and then when being asked about it, saying like, "Well, come on, guys, you're not." And there, I think there still was a level in in this country of of blind patriotism or uber patriotism Mm -hmm. the patriotism that when the three of us text each other we make every other letter capital um (laughs) that type of patriotism this Um, is whenever bass pro made a whole bunch of money off of american flag t-shirts that they still sell to this day we'll call it toby keith every every, yeah patriotism (laughs) right fair yeah Uh, i call it americanism or jeff patriotism we could use that that's a that's a jeff term we not asking to talk to a manager but you know um but there's that kind of patriotism so there there's a little bit of the media calling the bush administration officials out on you guys haven't fucking produced anything and now it's just not yet just give us more time we're gonna pull it up don't question the president you wouldn't want to question the president um, and it even became like kind of the rallying cry for 2004 election. The reason that we were told by Republicans that we couldn't elect John Kerry was because we're this is wartime. We can't switch presidents in wartime. We weren't being rem- fucking remember, told that we were going to have four presidents that, presiding yeah. over these fucking wars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the we the, that was the argument against Jim Carrey, or not Jim Carrey, John Kerry. <laughs> um, and it's also the argument against Jim Carrey, though. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so on a couple of days, about a week later, Dick Cheney is singing the same tune. In the post nine eleven era, certain risks are unacceptable. The United States made our position clear: we could not accept the grave danger of Saddam Hussein and his terrorist allies turning weapons of mass destruction against us or our friends and allies. And gradually, we are learning the details of his hidden weapons program. They don't exist. Ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of these findings confirms a material breach by the former Iraqi regime of UN Security Council Resolution 1441. Taken together, they constitute a massive breach of that unanimously passed resolution and provide a compelling case for the use of force against Saddam Hussein. Some claim we should not have acted because the threat from Saddam Hussein was not imminent. Yet, as the President has said, 
Since when have terrorists and tyrants announced their intentions, politely putting us on notice before they strike? I would remind the critics of the fundamental case the President has made since September 11th. Terrorist enemies of our country hope to strike us with the most lethal weapons known to man, and it would be reckless in the extreme to rule out action and save our worries until the day they strike. That is the debate. That is the choice set before the American people. And as long as George W. Bush is President of the United States, this country will not permit gathering threats to become certain tragedies. Just straight eyes. Like, he's straight up telling us, hey, we have information that we are not giving you because, yeah, like, we don't want the enemy to know. Well, like, you know, in his language, he says, uh, we can't allow them to have the use of WMDs against us or our allies. Right? Yeah. Like, he, he says it loud and deep for against us and then soft and quiet. Yeah. When uh, he goes, or our allies. So, that like, is, that could... so like, reasonably, <coughs> they... the, the, the WMDs that they could have could only hit Europe. Right. They're not going to hit the United States from Iraq. Well, and I think there's even one clip that I that I uh, put in the recycle bin, uh, and I can't remember if it was Rumsfeld or uh, Powell saying it, but one of the two uh, made a comment about how well, if he if he does produce this, it could hit like I don't even remember the names of the countries, but France. The, it wasn't even in Europe. It was like in the Middle East, like oh. they like so like next door in Egypt. Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, again, yeah. it might not be a good thing, but it's not. It's not a good. It's thing. far from the justification you're pretending it is for our involvement, right? And it is hid behind this veneer of um, national security. We can't tell you because of national security. I also we think... t- we totally have the evidence, and you would love to see it, but and we would love to show it to you, but we can't. I also think you had an interesting observation. Jim, um, that like his voice inflection change mm-hmm. there, um, which I hadn't thought about this before, and I don't know that there's a real way to prove it. This is more just like conjecture. Um, we didn't have a lot of allies at this point. When we went into Iraq, the, no, the yeah. world really looked uh, at us like we should not be for, going into fucking Iraq. For at least the first year for both wars, we it was just us. We didn't have... Yeah. Uh, the, and then when, the strength of the UN. Well, when we did so get like, the UK, like Tony Blair became enemy number one to the the British public because they didn't. They were kind of right. Yeah, like saw why? It as a why boondoggle. are, why yeah. are we sending our soldiers into right. Afghanistan? Yeah. So yeah, like it, it took us a while to get the UK and Germany and one of the things France. So in in like my my first tour, we so like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. When I was there, we we had uh, one base that we were on that we had a bunch of Polish Polish soldiers on, which I thought was weird. Like I didn't even know that. So so what I learned, you guys have an army. Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) But what I learned was that in Poland, you have to serve at least one year in the army after you turn 18. Yeah. They have compulsory service. So makes sense. Like they were over there. Yeah. Because they had to figure out what to do with their army rather than just hang around the country. You know what country did immediately go into Iraq with us? Afghanistan, which is interesting (laughs) because that was our army. (laughs) So that's one way to build a fucking alliance. What, send like one guy? (laughs) That that, that is an interesting way uh, to build up 
allies though is just invade them they become, become them hey you <laughs> hey you and you're coming with me we're going to this I other country i think that's the definition of parasitic yeah <laughs> i think maybe it is um yeah i i just like it to me that that clip there's so much despicable and there's so much despicable that i didn't pull in here because we could because this is part one of a three-part fucking series and, and we can yeah. we're, we're gonna could, be nine hours on yeah, yeah like, I mean, so eventually like what i was saying like it, it, it took a while for us to get the big european players in but then like eventually it was every european country you could possibly think of was over there yeah um it is. Just, I'm sure at this point they're also happy to have been drug into our fucking uh, fight in the mud. Oh, it, that they it, got nothing out of. Most it. Most of them haven't been back there in years. Yeah. Well, and like it's been at least, I would say at least five years since we had most other UN countries in Afghanistan with us. The thing that I think aggravates me the most uh, about present day um, conversations, which like I probably shouldn't. We're not going to get there. We're we're almost at the end of this of of part one of this. Um, one of the things though that that really upsets me uh, about like the the shit that's on the news right now and the uh, is this uh, Biden's failure? Is it Trump's failure? Is it like to me? Yeah, the, the the vitriol on social media is the reason why I left this Facebook. Is, this is so. this is Bush and Cheney's war. Like mm-hmm. even even twenty years yeah. into the future, this is Bush and Cheney's war. They should it, be the ones owning it. Yeah, we should not forget oh. the people that got us. They're that not going to do that, no. and they don't because Biden's going to get the brunt of it because he was there when it ended. Which, and I'm fine with Biden getting some of the blame. He voted. He he right, wasn't right. he wasn't Barbara Lee. He voted for right. it. He does, and then he obviously kind of messed the. Uh, it wasn't not a perfect exit. It, right. it couldn't have been, but no. he could have done it better. Yeah. No, but the idea no. that he's going to catch more flack and, or maybe possibly be remembered more for Afghanistan than Bush and Cheney would is yeah. horrible. I don't no, know. None, none of them are going to admit any culpability. No. Especially whenever Bush is just enjoying playing the the, ador- wish, the adorable old man president that likes staring at Michelle I Obama's wish that ass. He was <laughs> like forced to give interviews right now. Like if he had to go through the rounds and do a mea culpa of answering hard nosed like questions. I want in see, the way that Nixon had yeah, to a couple Frost years after. Frost Nixon. That's yeah. what I want to see. Like I want to see people pressing George Bush. Maybe you like, know. Oh, maybe that's how Cuomo is going to come back from his brother scandal. Color, is he's going to take on? Maybe color me impressed if it happens, but I don't see it. I'm pretty sure Cuomo is working on a new social media site to get out the truth. <laughs> it's called Get Her. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, that was a, that wasn't a planned Cuomo's joke, we, but it was a it was a pre thought of the, joke. The Cuomo's brothers are so bad they times up or times up. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they me too. Times up. They, yeah, they damn. I've got one more clip for us. And it's just to put a like it's it's not to put a bow on it because I I can guarantee you that when we come back for part two of this that we're not going to be completely done with the Bush era um, because we're going to get a little bit more in depth into some of these uh, into some of the happenings. Um, we haven't even gotten into a second term yet. No, we haven't. But I'm going to put. But we're probably we don't necessarily need to as much like we understand that the that yeah i mean you're right because once it gets going it kind of just remains status quo well, until it, Obama beca- takes over. it becomes very repetitive one of the hardest things about prepping this episode was there's so much 
footage and there's because we were like these guys were on the news every day and there's so much to choose from but a lot of it's all the same a lot of it is just george bush saying the same yeah, thing you know, the, the hiding in caves it's a lot the, like it's a lot like nickelback albums they're all the same yeah, but it, you know be, a little bit different it becomes very repetitive <laughs> like there are some clips that i wanted to put in here but i didn't just because they were too similar to the clips that are in here um so you know so like i don't know that we necessarily for part two need to go into his uh his his second term because it becomes very stagnant like it's it's the same shit um one thing i do think we need to touch on though before we get into that episode is out of all of the 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 things that we were told all of the reasons that we were told we're going here all the many different mission statements that we've that we've uh found ourselves facing how did it turn out like how like at the end of the at the end of the day what did we find out about these connections here's a little bit from charles uh dufleur uh he was a member of the uh state department um and he was also in charge of uh the um of overseeing the 9-11 commission and the final report on what, like what we learned about these dealings and, and basically kind of summing up, like he was in charge of figuring out where the ties were, how we, how we got to, um, September 11th, got to Afghanistan and Iraq and what we learned about what we were told along the way and so here's a a short clip from uh his hearing with congress this clip comes from uh october 6th of 2004 which is uh almost it's it's one day shy of being three years to the date to the day of the start of afghanistan the analysis shows that despite saddam's expressed desire to retain knowledge of his nuclear team and his attempts to retain some key parts of the program during the course of the following 12 years, Iraq's ability to produce a weapon decayed steadily. Once inspections began in 1991, Iraq chose to yield most of its weapons in bulk agent as well as the large facilities that were widely known to exist. In fact, two weeks ago, we had a source came to us with a partially filled uh, canister from uh, an old, and I repeat, an underline old, uh, 122 millimeter rocket round. Uh, These, like others recovered, are from pre-1991 stocks. And despite these reports and finds, I still do not expect that militarily significant WMD stocks are hidden in Iraq. No nice. There's nothing to show for it. We went in there. Shit. We went in there based on a bunch of lies. We got called out on those lies. We reelected him. We 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 fucking reelected him a month later. I mean, we're we're already there. What's more gonna hurt? Unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me. America, the the public at that point seemed to me like someone who had just lost the the pink slip to their car at a casino, <sighs> and their reaction is to double down and pull out their mortgage and slap it down and be like, <laughs> yeah. "Fucking go again." It it is it is crazy to me that uh, on October sixth, two thousand four, a month before the presidential election, that John Kerry couldn't win the election. That there was this idea that we had to back George Bush, even though 30 days ago you told us that the, that what we've been doing, that from, all the lives that we've lost are based on a what, lie. From what I remember, John Kerry was a terrible candidate. Though. He was. 
He was. He wasn't a great candidate, but he didn't lie to get us into a war, which should have that's, been that's an true. easy choice. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that regard, but you're right that John. I agree, John Kerry was a bad candidate, not as much as Bush was a bad president. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of like could Kerry have been worse? Because like Bush. Uh, we started off with a pretty good economy that he inherited, and then immediately 9-11 happened, and it was just shit his whole well, term. I mean, yeah. So we, we got Bush because he ran against Al Gore, yeah. and yeah. then again because he ran against John Kerry. Kind of like Democrats although, have a problem putting up good candidates. Although, let's be a little bit more honest there. Did we get George Bush? Yeah. Or did the Supreme uh, Court give us George yeah. Bush? Because the Supreme Court <laughs> fucking gave us George Bush. Al Gore won that election. That'll be a fucking future. <laughs> that'll yeah. be a future three part episode. Florida. <laughs> Florida. That should be the episode. Yeah, just talk about Florida. The, the, Brooks, <laughs> the fucking Brooks Brothers riots with fucking. Uh, that's where Roger Stone got his start. Not uh, start, but that, like shitheadedness. So if Texas does eventually secede, we were talking about this in a different conversation off the mics, but if that does happen, can we just. Give them Florida. Oh, they, yeah, they're, they're, it's, <laughs> it's is a that part of the deal. It's a it's a bogo. Buy one get one. Yeah. Do you want do you want a second state? We yeah. can give you a second state. You can have it Abbott. doesn't matter. You don't want it. You you're taking him. Abbott and DeSantis and the whole crew. Just there you go. I will find a new vacation spot, <laughs> one that's closer. Actually, you know what? Let's give Florida to Cuba for all the years we fucked them over. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's we can. You can just build a bridge now. Quit swimming. <laughs> that's so shitty to all the Cubans that live in Florida. I, that actually, <laughs> yeah. Man, we left. Why are you sending us back? Yeah. Um, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to wait until the end of a th- three-part series? Or do you, um, or do you well, want to judge characters? I feel like we I, need to end the George Bush era before we give him yeah. a Because I feel like right rating. now, based on what we've covered in this episode, we can only really talk conclusively about Cheney and Bush. I think Powell's maybe in the conversation. I don't know. Rumsfeld. Yeah, I, don't know if Rumsfeld. Can, yeah. I don't know if it's conclusive, though, because they still have another True. four years. Yeah. yeah. But I think because those are the only two we could really cover and we haven't gotten to even the worst of maybe their yeah. indiscretions, we probably should hold off. Okay. Cool. So I think then, we can all tell where it's trending, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty apparent where it's where it's headed. The grift is hard, and it is not in the best interest of Americans. No, no it is definitely not. Um, so, all right, cool. Well, then we'll just save we'll just save our rulings on these guys uh, for the uh, for the the finish of this. Maybe not the finish of the story. We might, we'll we'll probably do something in, in uh, episode two of this. Um, so, uh, with that though being said, we that'll bring us to the end of another episode. We will be back. Um, but before we go, Jim, can you please tell the listeners how to find us? Yes, I can. We have a Facebook page. We can be found on Twitter at Real Unamerican, and also on our personal accounts at Unamerican B, at Fevered Heart, and at American Actual J. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. And Franklin, can you please tell the listeners uh, how they can support us? Uh, you can follow us, like, subscribe, share, and review. Episodes are available weekly. Uh, and, of course, bonus content is available over at patreon.com forward slash unamerican. Uh, so go check that out. And, as always, we appreciate any and all support. Yes, we do very much. Thank you, Frank. And thank you both. And thank you to our listeners. I did that one weird this time. We will return next week. Um, but before we go, our dishonorable mentions, 
this time are Devin Nunez of California. You both know how much I love Devin Nunez. Uh, Jay Obernolte of California. Burgess Owens of Utah. Steve Palazzo of Mississippi. Gary Palmer of Alabama. Greg Pence of Indiana. (laughs) Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. August Fluger of Texas and Bill Posey of Florida and of course your duty as our listener is to vote against these assholes and uh, put them in a future unemployment line. Thanks. Un-American is a Feverheart production. It is hosted by Brandon Condick, Franklin Everhart and Jim Hillman. If you like the show please subscribe and leave a review. Contact us at unamericanpod.com at yahoo.com and be sure to support us on patreon for exclusive bonus content oh shit really, really? yeah yeah Wait, that's no, fucked i didn't up. see that i know i, thought, I, do I know thought that, he said like, that he stopped using it months ago i he, whoa whoa months ago well the story came out like two weeks ago so, like, I don't know if he was interviewed about it or whatever, but, like, there was a fucking headline a couple of weeks ago about how his daughter told him, like, well, fucking a, stop using that. It's a Bostonian that grew up in the That's fine, but that's it was fine. still shitty then. I, well, and I yeah. don't even... But we, we grew up saying the same dumb shit. I know, yeah. but we fucking have since well, ceased. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> the like, reason I'm aware. mad, I'm mad is because he's a millionaire. He didn't have a publicist come to him 10 years ago being like, hey, you want a real quick way to fucking lose stop money? Say, stop saying f- on set yeah <laughs> hey when Eminem stops saying it you stop saying it yeah that's, right. prob- that's probably a good litmus test <laughs> yeah it's like if Slim Shady can't get away with it Will Hunting is not gonna get away with it buddy <laughs> no not at all alright here we go <laughs>